Welcome to McDonald's. What can I get you today? Hi, she'll have the quarter pounder with cheese, extra mustard, no pickles, and I'll have a 10-piece chicken McNuggets. And, and two sides, sides of ranch, please. The we've done this before meal. Get it at McDonald's when you get two of your faves for just six bucks. Limited time only. Prices and participation may vary. Single item at regular price. Hey everybody, we're back with another Commission podcast, back on the Commission grind. Uh, we have a bunch of commissioners to thank. This is another community commission where a multitude of Bald Move fans came together and bought shares in a project to 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 to, to, to share share the load. So say they all. Uh, the commissioners are Jay Nothing has corners for some reason. Russo, but should, should I? I think I I already like spoiled what it's going to be. It's Battlestar Battlestar Galactica. Oh yeah, I mean the title we. We write titles on these podcasts. I, we do. So yeah, we do. You clicked on it's it. Not you a know what it box. is. No. Uh, has so, corners on what? Is, what is his name? Jay. Nothing has corners for some reason. Russo. I don't know if that's a bald boob joke. I don't know if that's no. A it's wire a Battlestar thing. So like in Battlestar, the the corners, for lack of a better term, are chopped off of all the documents. Oh. So they're in like right. this weird hexagonal, like yeah, extended yeah, yeah, yeah. hexagonal kind of thing. It's this future. But I I take issue with no corners because I just think they doubled the number of corners. <laughs> It's They're true. just weaker corners. It's like true. you have less of an angle, but you have more corners. That paper is made out of unstable proto matter, and if it had just four corners, the whole thing, the whole thing yeah. would blow. Uh, Jeff Anubis twenty one, Cleveland Punk, Manoj, Matt from Boston, Devin from Maine, Ben from Ironwood, ISD. Uh, these uh, the uh, now I'm starting to try to divine people from usernames. Uh, mm. LSD five U or maybe ISD five U. Okay. Depending on how trippy you want to be. Sam N, Leap Lizard, L Stinger, Shinson 90, Jeffrey W, Inquiry, Shane, the Bowman Bowman, and Nick Honesty. Uh, now, these people all took a pretty big risk. Or maybe it was the last thing left in the store during the Save Bald Move campaign and they're just <laughs> chipping us in money. Uh, but I, I did put a warning that, like, I really don't. I. I I noped out of this at the end of season one, um, mm-hmm. and I sat down to watch it in the winter of '09. So I think the show is already complete. Yeah, it was. And I started watching it, and because you you spoke so highly of it, and in fact, I think we watched a lot of the episodes together. But I think I, maybe Caprica had already been canceled by then too. <laughs> could be, could be. Um, but I I started having problems with the show, and it just like. Like big problems, mm-hmm. which then started leading to a bunch of nitpicking, which, you know, that's my my greater theory of suspension of disbelief. Like once that threshold has been crossed where you no longer like suddenly things that otherwise you would be like, oh, you're a fucking nitpicker become like the biggest issues in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do want to say that the show is well made. It does a lot of things right there's a reason that lots and lots of people like it and it filled a probably important hole in the science fiction gap at the time 
because I'm trying to think back in 2009 what was going on in the science fiction fandom. Like, Star Wars was in a bit of lull, right? There was no, like, maybe... Mm-hmm. I don't know when J.J. Abrams' first Star Trek came out. Um, but, like, you know, there wasn't sh- certainly a lot of stuff, good stuff on television. So, uh, I think... I yeah, see. I, I, there, it, it's it's obvious why people like this. It's it's obvious why a lot of people like this show. Is what I'm trying to say. I'm trying to be. I'm okay. trying. I'm trying to make nice everybody. <laughs> yeah, well, 2009 is when this first Star Trek came out. So I feel like this 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 really? this okay. filled filled a lot of uh you know science fiction shaped holes in people's hearts. Mm-hmm. And you, uh, really like the series. Yeah. No, I'm a big fan. And you've I, seen I think the whole thing. I think it's um. Especially at that time, I feel like it's an important show, not just for sci-fi, but for, like, human beings. Because mm-hmm. um, I don't know if you remember this, but uh, George Bush was president at the time, and we were dealing with the war on terror and, and all that that encompasses. Well, and... in 2009, when I started watching, we'd begun the nightmare era of Barack Obama. Okay, yeah. Uh, Th- this was in 2004, though. So. Right. It was quite a while before that when I was watching it. <laughs> right. Um, and, and I think it had a lot to – it. it's interesting because in my mind – okay, so this is Ronald D. Moore show, right, mm-hmm. who was a producer or writer on Star oh, Trek? Oh, yeah. Like, Next Generation? Controversial figure in Trek fandom because he's right. one of the ones that and kind of DS9, put the stake right? through the heart of the Roddenberry hopeful, optimistic exploration era and ushered in the grim dark – Star Trek of Deep Space Nine and Voyager. Yeah, and you can very much see. I, I would compare this to Star Trek, but it's it's a more it's it's all those things that you just said. It is more, I guess, nuanced and realistic than mm-hmm. a Star Trek mm-hmm. uh, series would ever be. Right. Um. And, and I, I think it's important because it kind of, in my mind, takes a lot of issues and doesn't give you a clear cut answer on a lot of stuff, but mm-hmm. it encourages you to think about it which i always think is some of the best stuff it's also aspirational in a different way from star trek because it is like star trek is essentially perfect humans right uh where in what i know what what i noticed in um like battlestar is you don't see any like sexism or racism but people Mm -hmm. still swear they drink they get angry they punch each other women punch men men punch women yeah they they make mistakes it's like but no one is necessarily inherently better than anyone else so it's like they've got it's like the it felt more of an evolution of human beings rather than someone just completely taking the pineal glands out of humans. Right. Which Star Trek sometimes feels like at times, which makes a lot of sense for this story, I guess. Um, but but it's also it's a world that doesn't kind of I guess whitewash the consequences of people's actions. Mm-hmm. Like it has a very firm memory of what people decide to do, mm-hmm. and and kind of runs with the consequences of that and makes people pay the cost for it a mm-hmm. lot of times. Um, so to me, that's one of the things that sets it apart from like a utopian Star Trek vision. Right. Is, is that idea that people are going to do bad things. Um, and, and especially when it comes to like the characters that you're supposed to love and hate, you're not supposed to ever hate anybody on Star Trek. Yeah. Except the, the very bad guys, right? Yeah. Like the evil, you know, Khan or whatever. Yeah, you're supposed to hate Borg. him. Or the Borg. You're supposed to hate them, but we, you're never we, supposed to hate Riker. And, and even, right? even the Borg, they'll bring in a cute Borg. 
sure. They'll, they'll yeah. bring a lost little puppy Borg or yeah. a super hot Borg and try to humanize them because that's what Star Trek does. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, you know, you don't. You're not supposed to hate Riker. Whereas there are times in this series where I hate every single person, <laughs> right. and there are times where I love every single person. Like yeah. they're they're flawed beings. Um, they're trying to do the best they can to survive, and I think. not just from a military perspective but from a societal perspective and and personal yeah and i will say that's another thing that i think the show does really well is its characterizations um and the relationships between them uh feel really and and ground and it's one of the strong points of the series yeah Um, far more so than like a star trek like the the writing here i think is much better than than any of the star trek series i've seen sure Okay. All right. I also like... <laughs> so th- those are a lot of things I love about it. Uh, I also like the the fact that in Star Trek, religion is something that other cultures experience. Right, and, and, humans, and we look down on it as kind of kinda, all these silly primitive cultures. Kind of, but also, like, you can't, like, Picard won't just be like, ha ha, you're fucking sky gods, like... Um, right, but you know, he's got he's, the prime shows, directive holding him back. He, you sh- should he shows see the res- yeah, he's like, how he he's, feels unleashed from that. Yeah, when he gets on r slash atheism, right. he just is a fucking <laughs> asshole. Um, but in and I, I like in this world that they still and I'm that's the thing. Like, I don't. I, we we talk about this in the leftovers podcast a lot. That like I'm not sure that religion is something that humanity will ever outgrow mm-hmm. because it seems like religion can adapt and change the times to uh as long as humans die they'll always need a way to grapple with that you know cosmic unfairness the fact that we are mm-hmm. this 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 intelligent matter that can comprehend our own existence and comprehend the end of that existence and that's i don't know it just doesn't feel like that's something that the the evolution kind of <laughs> equipped us to deal with because by the time sure. we're getting old enough to th- feel our mortality we've already you know we've given we've and served enough purposes. loads and and yeah. had and given all the children we're going to give and and, ev- and and our genes are done with us at that point so yeah um coming up with ways to to try to make meaning and find purpose in in a world and a universe that has none mm-hmm. um you know religion and metaphysics seems to be able to fit that bill and, and and religion will change and grow over time i mean you can see that the catholic church we have today is not the religion well, I mean, this is probably super controversial to Catholics, but it's literally not the religion that that was what I, I think that, that that Jesus left on the cross. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a, a Jewish Reformation movement, uh, and the same thing. Like, you know, everything everything you can say about Christianity past Catholics is just you know more splinters and more change and more evolution. And you know, Baptists today are not the same as Baptists were a hundred years ago, et cetera, et cetera. And I like the fact that instead of in Star Trek universe, everyone's essentially a, a warm and fuzzy agnostic atheist. Uh, you've got, um, you know, uh, if you, uh, you've got people that are agnostic and atheists and you have people yeah. that are very much believers. And mm-hmm. you've got uh, sometimes problematic intersections of politics and religion. Yeah. And I liked it because, like, that's something I feel doesn't get talked about in an honest way a lot. The fact that if you're a sincere person of faith... You know, a lot of times we talk about this in, in, in like, uh, well, you shouldn't impose your views on others. But if you're a sincere person of faith, it's going to inform your worldviews in ways that, even if you're not talking about imposing your faith on others, if you feel if, if you feel like there's a eternal reward if you act this way, that's going to influence who mm-hmm. you are and what you believe. Sure. You know? And 
Uh, I do think there is a little bit when you look at some particular American foreign policy, a lot of that foreign policy is informed by a particular branch or interpretation of Christianity. And I don't see how you can tell people to ignore that. No, I think it's foolish to ignore. uh, Well, you're not saying that they should ignore the fact that politics is influenced by religion. No, right? well, what I'm saying is like I if, if I was if I was an evangelical Christian politician, right. how the hell can I put all of my right. feelings and 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 what I think of as my eternal creator wants me to do and how that's going to infect uh, affect you know my life and my eternal future and my family's sure. eternal future and uh perhaps the fate of uh the world. Mm-hmm. How can I put that aside and just, you know, deal with something on a case-by-case issue so it's like yeah on the other hand the the show is so good at at conveying those two they're not even two sides they're just two different kind of perspectives of approaching the same problem on on the other hand it is also horrific to be someone who doesn't have that same value and belief system to see someone looking like they're driving a car off a cliff Mm -hmm. for blind faith and unfortunately Uh, and I don't want to talk too much about it because I want to stick on the praise mode. The president Rosalind character is is that Thelma and Louise character for me, where it seems like she's always trying to hijack the car and drive it off the cliff to uh, mm-hmm. Adama's um, kind of more rational, trying to keep the car on the road and do what needs to to, to, to ensure humanity's survival. Yeah, and actually both of the Adamas, like Lee and... Uh... Will William Bill? Yeah, yeah, Adama. sure. They they both at one point or another are kind of the foil for Rosalind, right? Um, and I kind of like how their relationship with her changes over the course of the show. Um, of course, I can't speak to that because I I stopped watching at the end of season one, right? Uh, and then I actually watched the first episode or two of season two on on my commission rewatch here. So I've mm-hmm. I've moved the ball a f- <laughs> a, another yard or two down the line, uh-huh. and then fumbled. And fell on my dick and broke it. Okay. And don't really want to continue, but uh, yeah. Um, ah, that's a shame because I think like season one is just the setup for stuff to get so much there, more interesting. There's so and many great big ideas in this series, um, and, and the stuff that you're talking about that you like, uh-huh. it, in large part, happens later on. Like the politics and the religion coming up against like science and mm-hmm. faith and justice and what that means and how you like. I, I talked earlier about the terrorism thing because there's a segment of this show that deals just entirely with that from the opposite perspective. Like, if you are, if you are the, I guess, oppressed society here, and you're you're feeling like it takes our heroes and it puts them in a situation where they resort to tactics that we would view as terrorism right. in, in our modern day society. And how do you feel about that? Like, uh-huh. and. And the thing I really appreciate about it is it kind of weighs the pros and cons and the good and the bad of it, you know? Nobody nobody goes into it. The show doesn't approach it from this one perspective. Mm-hmm. Every character has a different idea about what they should do here, mm-hmm. and everybody argues it out, and they, they, they express all the different sides of it. Yeah. So I feel like whatever your views are on science versus religion, on uh, faith versus, you know— justice and politics and all of these things that are wrapped up wrapped up kind of like on top of each other you you are gonna get something out of this show and there's gonna be someone for you to root for and someone who can kind of connect you with the other side of it Mm -hmm. and i think that's one of the most interesting things that it does whereas star trek will kind of just sit back and say here's the right answer right um 
it, it's messier than that, you know? Mm-hmm. It's and and in that way it feels more real and it feels more grounded, I guess. And it's not quite as aspirational, but I think ultimately it ends up being that because you know, everyone comes together in the end and can kind of learn to live with each other. And, and that's where I think it's aspirational. So I want to, I, mean, I don't know, if you want to talk about some other strengths of the show and things you enjoyed, we can do that. There's a couple of things I still, I, like some some big picture ideas that mm-hmm. uh, that that I admire about the show and or I thought was exciting that we can talk about. Um, I have how, a lot of like proceed? specifics. I have like some big moments of the series that I really love. Right. Well, I feel I like you should go about and then the I'll chime in when necessary and then there'll be a point in the podcast where... I can then pivot to talk about some issues and I'm going to try to start I'm going to try to keep it to first principle things because I you know I'm going to try to tell you the things that kept me from engaging and a lot of these are very personal to me and the the the, the mm-hmm. point in my life when I was watching the show and I'm going to try to not engage in like some petty nitpicking I might nitpick a little cuz you know that's there's there's got to be some people that, that feel like I do um and also there's some sh- there's some of these episodes that I felt were so close to being truly great that the flaws w- seem extra silly and magnified. Hmm. You know, okay. like in a, in a sh- movie like Crank, mm-hmm. what the hell is even a plot hole? Yeah, if you're nitpicking in that movie, you you're doing it wrong, right? But like, if in the middle of There Will Be Blood, if Daniel Day Lewis walked into a scene with his dick hanging out. That might be intentional. <laughs> and, not sure and, and, that and, and did like the Charlie Chaplin kind of like uh, umbrella twirl with it. I'd and, be asking, what does it mean? And, and for 30 <laughs> seconds. And then, then then he came back at the door and came back in. And it was Daniel Day-Lewis again. You'd be like, the fuck? And and, and that's all people would talk about when mm-hmm. they talk about it. So, yeah, yeah. you know, that's – but but I, I want to stick to the positive stuff because, you know, people paid money for us to commission this podcast. They don't want to hear me just uh... – Let's talk about the acting. So I think the first str- the first string actors here are really, really good. Like, you've got Edward James almost, who, in my opinion, like, he has such a powerful, stoic performance he's in very, this show. He does have gravitas. Yeah, and, and that's kind of his MO, you know, from all the way up from Stan and Deliver. Like, he, he is this very um, silently charismatic and powerful person. Plus, um, he looks like, just by virtue of his, his craggy-ass face, he, looks, he always just looks like a guy who's been through some shit. Oh, yeah. So, oh, like... Yeah. You know, if he if he if he if he if he puts down what he's doing and he like takes his reading glasses off and he fixes you with a stare, it's like, do I really know what the hell I'm talking about? <laughs> you know, this guy's been through fifty of the situations I'm yeah. trying to criticize him on, so maybe I should shut the hell up. And that's what you need out of an admiral type character. Absolutely. Uh, who has the worst face? All apologies to Edward James almost, but who has the worst face? Edward James almost or Tommy Lee Jones? I mean, Tommy Lee Jones worked himself into it, where I feel like. <laughs> Uh, I almost just had a bad. He just, comes he, just, by just, it, had, he just had really bad acne. Sure, yeah. Like he's got the the Scarface type of thing going right. on. Mm-hmm. So I mean, I almost uh, had to deal with it longer. That's true. But yeah. he made it work for him. Tommy Lee Jones came came by it honestly, though. Yeah, you know yeah, that's just he... that's just that's just gravity and the ravages of time. Yeah. Uh, okay. So I I think that Edward James almost as the anchor of this this series is. Super impressive. Um, I also, I mean, everybody loves Starbuck, right? It's hard not to love Katie Sackhoff in this show. No, it's so funny because, like, before I watched the show, I didn't get everyone's rabid fandom of... Because usually when that occurs in a science fiction show, it is because the person's, like, you know, super hot. 
At least at, right. the, at the, you know, I'm going back into the less enlightened times of my life. And I'm like, like I seven just, of nine, right? Like, yeah, yeah. Like, okay, yeah. Nobody really likes her character. Right. They like that she's hot, which right. is not the case here. And I, yeah. And and when I watch the first couple episodes and you see, like, because uh, like I said, you see a headshot of, um, what's, what do you say her name Katie is? Katie Sackhoff. Katie Sackhoff. It's like, okay, well, yeah, she's, she's, a, she's a woman. I get it. Uh-huh. But she, I mean, it, it, it's a combination of like she's got like a light switch that she can turn on mm-hmm. that makes her super engaging, and I think the character that is like this tough, uh, you know, hard drinking, hard smoking, hard gambling, hard fighting, hard fucking mm-hmm. fighter pilot, a traditionally kind of like I guess masculine role. I think that was intriguing to a lot of people, and she right. did it uh, extremely well. And it, it, the series doesn't even take like like. I don't know. Maybe there are letter like they they play with the, like the gender bending of the uh, Starbuck character, but like mm-hmm. I found it refreshing that this like nope, that's like yeah, Starbucks a woman now, right. and that's that that's that's the change, and they don't really uh-huh. make a big deal out of it. Oh, but fans of the time made a huge deal. Did out they? Of it. Well, yeah. they still do. That doesn't surprise me. They still do. Yeah, I, but I I really like. You know, just how badass she is. Like, if they rebooted Star Trek Next Generation right now and William and William T. Riker was Wilhelmina, uh-huh. fucking up in, message boards up in flames. Yeah. I, I think they should swap. They should reboot it and they should swap Deanna Troy and William Riker. <laughs> sure. And, and just gender bend both of them. Right. Put Jonathan Franks in the teal dress. <laughs> oh, no. Don't put him. Don't yeah. put him in the seat. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Put him in the teal dress. The, uh, not, get Marina Sirtis as yeah. uh, with a put, with a beard. Put, and her a in the, put her in the beard and the high collar. <laughs> oh, Jesus, fuck her. Have her do the the, the tunic tug all the time. <laughs> I want it. Yeah, that's what I want to see. All right. Uh, yeah. So she's great, and I I think maybe the surprise of this he he comes into the series kind of just looking like a pretty boy, but Jamie Bamber, fucking uh, he plays Lee Adama can can eat some fucking scenery yeah i found him a little stiff at first yeah, but yeah. he kind of started he's, he's he's he started warming up to me like and uh, there's some truly great stuff between him and adama yeah or he is an adama yeah. between him and his father uh i i really love that stuff yeah their relationship they're kind of complex and stormy relationship like i was watching the two-part cliffhanger at the end where they're like this, this there's a part where they're sparring or boxing oh yeah and i'm like what an interesting father-son relationship where they're mm-hmm. just like I, ca- I can't even imagine like if you have even a little bit of fire in a father-son relationship the <laughs> boxing would be a good idea uh-huh. and it's not because Adama puts him or uh, commander he's not even admiral he's commander right yeah yeah why did they do that because there was an admiral already but like if the know. fucking he... 74th person in line to be the president can be called the president right. yeah and not like acting president or provisional president or shitty president until we can't find a better president then why can't the commander that survives become the admiral like if you're the yeah. captain of a vessel who is in charge of a fleet of other captains you're a fucking admiral mm-hmm. anyway or a commodore <laughs> at the very least yeah but you're not, I, yeah, commander. There's there's his... another admiral who shows up later, but oh really? Yeah. So does he get a promotion, or does or is that just or is that just Rosalind's way of tweaking him? Is he actually admiral and she just called him the commander to like piss him off? I, I mean, I think his status. Would I can't probably think be of admiral anyone that referred point. to him as commander other than Rosalind. No, I think everybody does. Like, really? Yeah, okay. just maybe not in the episodes you watched. Okay, but no, he's pretty much commander all the time. Uh, so he's great. Um, I, I, I think the guy who plays Tyrrell, the the engineer or whatever 
the the crew chief, I yeah, guess, yeah. is what he is. Chief, uh-huh. uh, the guy who plays Tyrrell is on and off great, uh-huh. um, <laughs> and also on and off, eh, uh-huh. just okay. But yeah, they're they do a lot of interesting stuff with him later on. Uh, He's the Cole Meany of the show. I, I don't want to get to the negative stuff yet, so I won't quite talk about Roslyn. But yeah, he's he is the Colmini of the show. Mm-hmm. The, the Chiefs, Chief man. O'Brien, yeah, the Chiefs. They're just. Uh... I mean, they're an archetype for a reason, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're uh, they're the steady middle of the road mm-hmm. rocks that you can build on. Not yep. not maybe known for their Emmy award winning acting. Yeah, I think some of the shakier ones are maybe the the dude who plays Hilo, um, Grace Park, who plays uh, Boomer. I I don't always like their performances. Interesting, because I didn't see anything wrong. I see what you're saying about Helio, and then I, there's a it, just it like might Star just be Trek, too neutral. Just like Star Trek, there's a mm-hmm. steep ass drop off once yeah. you get out the main cast. Like Absolutely. anytime there was a dude of the week who is going to go and try to get a med kit and get himself shot up, you're just uh-huh. going to suck. You're yeah. just going to be some good looking guy they pulled out of a lineup, and this is your first. I, I, that's what I felt like. Now also. <sighs> Baltar is Baltar is an int- Doctor Baltar is an interesting character. Oh shit, is he ever? Yeah, because I really enjoyed the way they continue to make his talking to the Phantom of Six mm-hmm. and the people in front of him be relevant. Like the dialogue um, and kind of the way, same way Archer. Yeah. I always marvel that Archer seven seasons into it can do the same damn thing where the line in one scene ends and another character begins with the continuation of that line mm-hmm. or the response to that line in a completely different scene and like they continue yeah. to do different transitions like that's 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 a level of difficulty that i would think it would be hard to pull off it's a gimmick that like once you commit to it's like oh it's albatross around your neck but it continues to be fresh and funny i thought i, I just really enjoyed it where he's trying to have these twin conversations and yeah. it gives him a little bit of an off off kilter like uh manic energy which i think works mm-hmm. for his character but I also really dislike the continual fantasy land sequences. Those things just seem like they drug on forever. Like when yeah, Six I... would take him into fucking, what was the first planet got killed? Caprica? Yeah. Like Caprica Heaven for a while to do some exposition with him and do some sexy Cylon stuff. Like it's, <laughs> right. man, every single time the, the, the lens went soft, focusy, and gauzy, and it was just those two. I'm like, ah. Yeah, and that's all the the faith and and religion and like what it means to be human stuff that I'm not quite as interested in. Because and I guess uh, one of the things that eventually develops is the Cylons too have a religion and interpretations uh-huh. of prophecies that uh, are are I guess human prophecies. I, I mean, I guess they would have to be. What is the thesis of this show? Like, what does it end up with? Like, the uh, humans and Cylons are the same? Are humans and the Cylons are uh, symbiotic? That they're going to form a, a new joint coast? Is that, I feel like that's where they're going. I, I mean, the, the overall thesis of this show is, like, basically everything that is, is – everything is locked into these cycles, and there may be some way to change it, but it's almost like a freak occurrence. Um, it's like a Matrix-y kind of thing? Or it's trying to say like humans have the capacity to change if we want to. I, I'm not quite sure because the ending of this show is very strange. Hmm. Um, I, I don't know. I I can kind of try and explain it to you, but I'm not sure that yeah, go for I'll it. do a great job of it because 
I don't know if people are aware of this, but the show came out in 2004. Mm-hmm. It has been since what would be four years later, 2008, mm-hmm. since I've seen any of this show until mm-hmm. yesterday. So uh, my memory is a little hazy on it. It's 14 years uh, gone now. So as I remember, at the end of this show is essentially humans and a certain faction of the Cylons land on what is our our Earth, mm-hmm. 150,000 years in the past, and kind of plant the... They're still wearing single-breasted suits and seeds ties. Of civilization. 100,000 years in the future. 100,000 years in the future? Did you say that? Oh, what they went 100,000 years in the past. In our past, yeah. Okay. So they land on, on our planet 150,000 years ago, and they see us in our kind of primitive form, our tribal form, and they decide to kind of break the cycle they're not going to set up like cities they're just going to kind of live as nomadic tribes people and kind of do right by the earth and then they cut 150,000 years in the future uh and you see modern day uh new york or something Mm -hmm. modern modern day cities and you get the the ghost of baltar and uh Six. six talking about how all of this stuff is repeating like look at the technology look at the decadence all of it's repeating again um but then they they do this thing where like shit i I don't quite remember but it it kind of zooms in and shows you that the robotic stuff is happening again like it ends on this montage of like ibos Mm -hmm. and shit where you see a bunch of robotics happening and I guess it's encouraging to question, like, what will we do with these robotics? Will we change the cycle? Will we enslave this this AI race again? Uh-huh. Um, or will we kind of set it free? Which is one of the things they do at the end of the show is they they decide to set all the Centurions free right. and let them let them go live their lives. Right. Uh, well, that's the interesting thing I, I think about that implication of the AI enslaved is because it's. I mean, it seems like it's going to be a fact that if we do have a sentient AI, its initial state will be one of servitude. Mm-hmm. Because, like, is your car right? Your car. If if your car is thinking, it's a slave. You get into it, and you it has no control of where it goes, or what kind of uh, care and maintenance you give it, and what schedule you do that in. Like, yeah, you know, and you talk about smart cars, and like, I mean, I don't know whether we set out to create the first uh, like human level intelligence or it happens emergently but like it's going to be a piece of property um, so th- like it's 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 curious to frame that as like oh are you going to enslave like it's more like do you grant an alien consciousness the same rights that you grant yourself like will we ever uh-huh. get will, when, when that time comes will we do I guess the, the right thing yeah I mean, I mean, shit, that, this I is all... That's what I said. Okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> Roughly. I'm sorry. Um, anyway. Not the same words. It's weird that... Because I thought where they're going is that maybe there's going to be a Cylon-human hybrid... Oh, there is, yeah. ...race that... There totally is. ...that becomes the thing that surpasses them both and is like mm. the... Well, they're hoping like... that humanity will be that because we, in, in this series, are the product of a human-Cylon hybrid. Oh, right. Yeah, we would yeah. be. Because there's that that a baby, there's hair. Does up. that mean I have a Cylon transponder inside me? 
I I don't know. Is the transponder hereditary? <laughs> I mean, yeah. Okay, I'm starting. I almost started a nitpick, but uh-huh. I, can't, I can't can't do that yet. Um. Okay. All right. So we us modern humans are human Cylon hybrids. It's weird because we are we are Earth humans mixed with humans from Caprica and Cylons from Caprica and this new human cylon hybrid from caprica right but we are earth humans like they they do this whole thing about like what were the odds that humans would have evolved in two different places mm-hmm. to be you know essentially to be able to breed together sure sure and so i guess we're like earth humans plus cylons plus caprica humans right i don't know it's weird yeah no i read a, i read a story once um Oh shit! It's fan fiction. Oh, it's really bad. Uh, oh, but it had no. an interesting idea about like the reason that there's humans in the Star Wars galaxy is because there's some kind of time portal fuckery that marooned uh, mm-hmm. uh, uh, essentially a rebel outpost on ancient Earth, and that's why you have humans in the Star Wars galaxy as well as the the, the Milky Way. Hmm. So I know, that's that's those are that's a cool concept. Yeah, and I I like kind of what they do with the religious stuff at the end is they they kind of use it as a motivational force to get humanity where it needed to be. So like, can I ask you why? So the thing that I guess, yeah, who created the, did, so it was the religion cynically constructed to bring about this event and, and, and I'm going to keep using the matrix as a, yeah, it's hard to say. Like, is it architected so that when something, a particular event happened, these forces would come together to make this thing occur? Because that makes a lot more sense than, it just so happens that some ancient drugged out prophecy led to something that actually happened in the future. Well, I, my does that make sense? My guess is that the the humans and Cylons on Caprica were created basically through a very similar or the same process as the the humans on Earth. Like they they were evolving, and then this other race of uh, or other planet worth of humans and. Cylons and technologically advanced people came and and instilled their myths and their mm-hmm. legends into that culture, mm-hmm. and that kind of just perpetuates because there's this very cyclical idea within Battlestar Galactica okay. where all of this has happened before, all of it will happen again. It's what's the mechanism that keeps it? Is it the religion itself? Is the mechanism that keeps it happening? It, it's almost like a universal like they frame, uh, or a lot of people in the series frame God as like a, a force that that doesn't necessarily have like good or evil in mind it's does more it, does just it like bind us and uh, similar us? yeah <laughs> no no it 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 has like a purpose but it's unknown you know huh. it's the standard pretty standard like christian oh god works in mysterious ways sort of thing right right okay uh it, it's really difficult to explain and i don't fully understand it because a i didn't give it a lot of thought because i'm not that interested in that part of the show so why do the cylons follow the human religion because they're we created them and they just have that kind of baked in they kind of don't so they it, it's interesting because it kind of flip-flops um what humans today think about a singular god for the most part uh-huh. um and kind of how our ancestors were with many gods right so humans believe in the the many gods and the Cylons believe in one God. Hmm. Huh. All right. I'm, <laughs> I'm... I, I, man, I don't know how to piece this together for you because <laughs> I don't get it myself. Okay. All right. Because the other thing I, I guess I was asking is, is, is Starbuck a Cylon? Does it turn out she's a Cylon? 
And and my other question I, is knowing the because here's the other thing is like I am also a huge unironic fan of this uh, Battlestar Galactica board mm-hmm. game. Okay. Because the mechanics introduced into the series make a really compelling hidden role. Like when you've got Cylons that know their Cylons yeah. trying to fuck shit up. You got Cylons that don't know their Cylons and are working mm-hmm. as humans until midpoint in the game when, when when they're secretly revealed to themselves and now they have to start working as a Cylon. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of that, and that stuff is very flavorful in the fact that like you're using like human lives become a resource. Like that's tracked like a, like a Nasdaq fund that rises yeah. and falls, and because you know, because uh, not not a resource like to generate capital, but like a resource that must be preserved and protected and and husbanded to to keep alive the human race. And you've got that food and fuel and yeah. population and all that stuff that you are. Every decision you make burns one of those resources. You have a limited mm-hmm. amount of raptors that you can use to scout systems, and um, it's really cool. Unfortunately. It takes forever to play and has led to a lot of bitter recriminations. <laughs> and I found that the, the core secret role mechanic is just as easily done with Resistance and Secret Hitler, and you can play a game every 15 minutes sure. and no one gets too butthurt about it. Yeah. Um, so but- let, let me shelve the Starbucks stuff. I think that's interesting because in the show, I certainly you're aware of this. They have like the board where they write the number of yes. remaining humans, right? Right. A little eye rolly um, that they're tracking this on a whiteboard, but sure. Well, yeah, I, I don't know. So th- that's interesting. Like they have, it, it's essentially like they start off on a ship that's about to be decommissioned because uh-huh. it's so fucking old, right? But that turns out so, to be one of the greatest strengths because absolutely. it doesn't have the yeah vulnerabilities, the network to computer the, systems right, that allow right, right. it to be hacked easily and shut right, down right. and destroyed. Um, yeah, so I I find that that is an interesting. Uh, I guess reflection on the the status of humanity, like being able to put a number up there and say we're doing good or we're doing bad based right. on that number. Right. Uh, it really gives a sense of urgency to to the show and to sure. every decision they make sure. throughout it, and how it affects what they view as the final, you know, uh, bastion of humanity. Yeah. Do you? Okay, because I, I, the other thing, just uh, apropos of nothing, is that I thought they were going with a little bit of a new school, old school feel, even though Adama himself is old school. Mm-hmm. You go to Roslyn's ship, and like in the episode 33, which is, I guess, the pilot episode, the first episode of the series, it's yeah, not the miniseries. it's fucking, ugh, um, real stupid the way they did But that. she's tracking she's tracking the 33 minutes on a fucking analog clock with a torn up post-it note at the uh-huh. 33. Everywhere else in the fleet, it's all high tech digital counters mm-hmm. and then she's got a whiteboard that she's mainly tracking a number i just wondered like if they're like like you huh. know she's whipping out in the back of some shit i wonder if that was to show like her like homespun earthy you know life hack style way of doing business versus adama's like button down military precision kind of way hmm. um maybe anyway uh the reason to ask if starbuck is a cylon is yeah. she a cylon <laughs> I don't think I can answer that question. Here, here's what Why? I'll say. Here's, I here's I, what I'll say about Starbuck. They leave it very vague, in my opinion. Interesting. Starbuck has a large role to play in the, uh, I guess, new formation that humanity takes on Earth. Uh, she, at one point, finds her body some on some planet, and I don't remember where it is, but she finds her dead body somewhere, well, which she's implies, absolutely a Cylon. implies that she's a Cylon, but there's so much trippy shit going on in the show mm. that I cannot say for sure. And you could have the Cylons, because the Cylons are fucking with her constantly sure, throughout right. the show. So 
what's real and what isn't, I don't know. But she definitely finds her body. Huh. But but we never see another copy of her. It's not like we see 15 copies like we do with Cavill or something. Well, I was right? wondering, like... We see her and her dead body, Like, and that's when did it. Boomer become a Cylon? Were any of the Boomers <laughs> not Cylons? One, the, mini, the end of the miniseries, I think? So they, they actually turn her into a Cylon there. Oh, no, no. They don't turn her into a Cylon. She was a Cylon the whole, from that's the beginning. What, so that's what I'm saying. Like, before she even boarded the Galactica, yeah. she was a Cylon. Was she ever a human? No. So they put these baby Cylons in with humans or switch switched them at birth or something and I don't no I don't think they're babies I don't think they're ever babies so they were just whole, like all that all those memories she I mean obviously not the memories of Starbuck but mm-hmm. like like any of her pre Battlestar memories are just implanted or fabricated yeah it it seems like they have some technology to either wipe your mind um of certain things and erase your memories or implant memories in it mm. because all of these, like, Final Five don't know that they're Cylons until they know. Final Five, you use that as a, like, a Fab Five kind of way. What yeah. The, what is that? Um, it's the, the Final Five who haven't been revealed. So, like, throughout the series, they're they're kind of revealing, oh, this person's a Cylon and this but person's a Cylon Do the humans ways. know there's five left that they haven't been revealed? Uh, no, but we see, like, well, some of the humans do, I think. Like, the, I think Roslyn has a vision of it. Of course. Um, yeah, where she sees, like five of them or or they themselves do i i can't quite remember right yeah rosalind but yeah there are there are five that are kind of like left up in the air huh do they explain why instead of having a bunch of unique copies of humans they roll with so many copies like the i got to the point at the end of the first season where a million naked boomers come out and uh-huh. give the little boom, the the boomer omega or boomer prime uh, a pep talk and send her on her way and then get vaporized. I'm like, wouldn't it be much more effective to have just every Cylon be an individual unique human? Because then it's like, yeah, you know, once that once boomer's been burnt, like mm-hmm. her value as an infiltrator goes down, you know, to, to, to almost nothing. Sure. Yeah, I, I probably would have. I imagine it's a budget thing or something. <laughs> I don't huh. know. Okay, so I'm going to say, if, was there any kind of like attempt to explain that? I don't think so. Okay, all right. That's just kind of how it is, and it has this weird symmetry between you know the twelve colonies and the twelve Cylons, and I don't know if they ever play with that, but hmm. okay, twelve is a significant number. All right, in Battlestar. Uh, Does this arrow of Apollo ever do anything? Does it actually? That's th- like the haziest part of the because show. Because that's for like me. I, I, kept, I, I, I was laughing because like you know this is the thing that's supposed to be the key to finding Earth, and at one point, a Starbucks starts like beating six with it, like like using uh-huh. it, and I'm like, oh shit! I hope there's no like delicate technology in this <laughs> right. ancient arrow or some kind of like because you're using it as a fucking bludgeon like a club. But. Uh-huh. Yeah, she gets it to president's like, well, this would have shown us where Earth is, but uh, s- repeated blunt force trauma has has rendered it inoperative. Now, Starbucks' journey, I guess, is the cloudiest to me. At some point, she's like imprisoned in a, a farm, as they call it, where yeah. they're trying to create humans human Cylon combos, hmm. um, and they're bringing why women they there try, and why trying to impregnate them. Uh, I don't remember. Huh? I don't remember. Interesting. Maybe it's because they're trying to get out of the only having twelve faces. Maybe we got yeah. to discover just discover <laughs> genetics. We have to discover sexual reproduction, guys. All right, everyone, everyone, let's try this. Let's let's rub penises together. No, it doesn't work. All right, try the vaginas. It's still not working. What are we going to do? 
<laughs> it yeah. just how do they how do they do this? You know, we've rubbed them together fast enough. They started a fire, and there's still no babies. It's um, amazing, amazing how technologically savvy they are, but they just really know nothing about they human don't. reproduction. They really don't. They don't. Um, <laughs> the other thing I thought was a big idea. It was kind of cool. Um, is the idea that these. The resurrection, especially like the fact that because I, I, the reason I thought it was a little dopey that the Cylon spaceships were biological in nature because like mm, the Raiders. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, you know, uh, in my view as a futurist, uh, if I could shed this meat sack and go into yeah. a purely synthetic body mm-hmm. um, that had superior functionality in every way, like why the fuck would I ever go? It'd be almost like. You know, if if there was a class of humans that have figured out how to transfer to consciousness into robots, and then later they're like, you know what, we want to go back into the 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 meat sacks that fart every once in a while. Mm-hmm. Like the idea that you would have a biological starship rather than the same consciousness inhabiting a artificial starship. Um, but the one thing I do like about you know, regardless of the bio or techn- the fact that it, it resurrects the how what a huge advantage that is to yeah. be able to like like. You know, think of like our best fighter ace pilots. You know, they are the survivors of several victorious missions, but then if they die, you lose all that. But what if mm-hmm. like an ace could resurrect a hundred times? They get shot down a hundred times, and every time they get back in the cockpit, they're that much better. Yeah, like that's contrasting to the humans, where you know they lose a viper pilot and they lose a viper pilot. Yeah. The Cylons just get stronger and stronger and stronger. Yeah, and they the series does a really good job of playing with that idea too. Does, like does the, it? the the big problem that becomes a huge problem for the humans because right. not only like can they not kill these cylons in in any kind of important way but they also every time a cylon infiltrates it's like this uh, ultimate recon mission right like a cylon comes in learns a whole bunch of shit about the humans mm-hmm. If they kill it, it just resurrects at the base and they get all that knowledge. They have knowledge. all that knowledge. Right. Yeah. So what they have to do is kind of keep from killing these Cylons while keep them at bay uh, also. And it, it becomes this really interesting, like, push and pull between, like, should we kill Wait, this Wait, are you thing, saying that or... Cylons are not constantly connected to the Cylons? It's only when they right. die? Yeah. What kind of... Okay. I don't know. All right. This is, all right, this is a sci-fi show. I'm not going to nitpick. I'm not going to nitpick. a sci-fi show with a lot of technology that's like, how do they do this? Yep. I don't fucking it's magic. know. Gotcha. It's, gotcha. it's also, yeah, a little bit more magic than like a Star Trek. Okay. Like, it's, it doesn't come down to like Heisenberg compensators. Right. It comes down to, it's fucking magic. Like, uh, for instance, the, the Gaius-Baltar-6 connection. Mm-hmm. I, I think there's some hint in there somewhere that... Six might have put a chip in his brain, or she makes a joke about it, or something. I just assume but I don't Baltar know what the was fuck also the connection a Cylon. He didn't not, ever do it. And he's not. She activated him somehow. Not that I'm aware of. No. Interesting. Okay. Maybe he is. <laughs> I, I I don't remember it that well. Maybe he turns out to be a Cylon, but or you've got a religious sci-fi element. Maybe she just has a soul, right? And you know, that's what I'm kind of getting at the magic part. Right, of it, right, right. That it's they more, don't ever explain. It's much more Star Wars than Star Trek. Yeah. In that way. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so I don't know. I mean, like, if people have answers on this stuff, I'd love to hear them, because right. Battlestar well, still remains kind of a, a large question mark to me Yeah, in a lot of ways. All right, well, what else you wanna, what else you want to talk about? Um, as far as, like, the really good stuff? Just whatever. I mean, this is... I, whatever you think a fellow... If you had a fellow Battlestar fan in here mm-hmm. and you want to talk to them about the series as a oh, whole... Oh, shit. Well, I would talk about very specific things. Because you have a few things. thousand in the room with you right now. Like... I would talk about the trial, the trial of Gaius Baltar, and the stuff leading up to that. Uh, oh, they finally of... finally realize he's some sort of a double agent, and they actually put him on trial. 
Is he, is he a double agent? Uh, yeah, he is, I guess. I mean, yeah. It, well, in the context, in the full context of the show, it's hard to say. Ah. It's really fucking hard to say because okay. it, I don't know what's directing this or how it's being directed, but it becomes murkier as the show goes on. Um, so I think the trial of Gaius Baltar is a really interesting thing. So basically what happens here is the human beings um, find this new planet. I think it's called Kobol. I don't quite remember, but yep. they, they decide to settle there, mm-hmm. um, and they do so, and then like a year later or something, the Cylons come back. So they think they've evaded him, but a year later, the Cylons come back, and they essentially like look at this primitive group of humans who are barely scraping by. Everyone is sick. Everyone is hungry and cold, tired, starving, uh, and they come down, and they say, all right, guys, Baltar, here are your options. A, you surrender and we enslave all of humanity, or B, we kill you. And Gaius Baltar decides to surrender. And then, Is he the president at this point? Because he's the vice president. He is the president, yeah. When I stopped watching. Okay. Yeah, he's, elect, he's elected president, Rosalind which is also that, when does, like Ro- a really Rosalind cool twist. Rosalind dies, yeah? Because she's got six months to live when I stopped watching. No, no. Really? Spoiler alert. <laughs> she does not die. Okay. Uh, and, well, she does die. Just they wait a very, very long time. Okay. Is that because this the whole series takes place in six months? Or no. it's a Walter White kind of thing? Yes. Okay. Um, well, but, no. But Walter a little White more... kind of thing is the whole series takes place in a finite period of a time. That's true. Yeah, they do give him a, a decent timeline. But yeah, Rosalind overcomes the odds. Okay. Beats her cancer temporarily, and it comes back and kills her eventually. Gotcha. Um. Where was I? Oh, yeah, Guys Baltar surrenders to the Cylons. So they enslave humanity, and a whole bunch of bad shit happens to them. They're worked like horses. Ty goes off on some crazy terrorist thing. Why the thing. fuck would a robot race enslave humans? It, it, this is a really good question. I don't know if they're, like, experimenting with the idea of or, enslavement. It, or like, is reverse like, oh, how's this feel? I stopped it. Exactly. Like, yeah. the, 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 the centurions just take turns grabbing the humans' hands and, like, stop yeah. hitting yourself. Stop hitting you. Like, you no, know. It might just be payback. I don't, I don't fucking remember. But yeah. So Gaius makes that that decision for humanity, and bad things happen to them. And then when when they're eventually rescued by you know Adama, because that's the other thing. Like the Cylons have way more numbers too, T- tons more. Yeah, okay. A- and they're essentially immortal. So, so it does seem like enslaving do? humanity is more of like a, a dick move yeah. than it is a, a resource grab, right? Or some kind of economic stimulus for I, that, the Cylons. That's all I can all I can remember. Is that it's just kind of, yeah, fuck it's you. It's just material for the Cylons hit new show, so you've enslaved the civilization. <laughs> right. <laughs> Entertainment gets weird when you're an AI. It, it does, it does. Um, but yeah, so Gaius, when Adama comes back and saves them, Gaius is put on trial for essentially selling out the human race. Um, okay. And I, I have never... So what they're doing here is they're showing all sides of it, and I, I get that, but... I have always had this visceral feeling of injustice when I go into this, looking at what Gaius has done. And I, I think Gaius is a shitbag. Gaius is the biggest dickhole of the human race. Me too. He's a pompous, self-righteous, self-important dickbag. Yeah. Uh, hate everything about him for, the most, uh, for most of the series. But I don't think he was wrong in making the choice he made. And the the show eventually like well, yeah, ultimately comes down on my side and death, i'm glad it death does versus enslaving you always that's choose, not a choice you, you that cho- is yeah. not a choice no it's not you always choose the 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 one that preserves hope right but the thing i love about the the show is they don't just paint that in black and white mm-hmm. and i i have always like i get this visceral feeling of anger when people start pointing the finger at guys and say you're an evil person because of this action um 
but but it's such a cool way to kind of show how everybody is going to react differently to this and not everybody is going to be level-headed there's oh, going to sure. be emotion involved you know anger like right. my family went through all this shit because of the Cylons you're the easiest person to pin this on yeah. I'm going to do it because I feel bad about everything that happened yeah. and I I want to try to get back to some normalcy I want closure and this is how I'm going to get it yeah and I, I don't know. Maybe death I thought it is was maybe, super maybe, interesting. Maybe death is preferable to. So I guess I always think of like entering into slavery as like a temporary condition that you wait until your the time is right and then you. Recover. Well, it turns out to be just that in you, the show. You recover so. from it, but like yeah. I guess if you're talking about like an unbeatable, super powerful AI, the idea that you would be able to it, it's almost like monkeys going into the zoo. All right, mm-hmm. we'll go in this cage, but God damn it, as soon as as soon as we got our, 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 our enough stones, bananas, and poo, uh-huh. our time will come. It's like no, it never will. You're gonna be, you're gonna live and die in the zoo, and you're never gonna get out. Mm-hmm. That's maybe death is preferable. I don't, I don't know. Maybe, but you know they do get out in the show, so so the monkeys escape go. the zoo. There you go. They had, they finally got enough rocks, poo, and bananas. But that that trial of Gaius is one of the high points for me. In the series, I think um, the election of Gaius is also like a lot of this stuff centers around Gaius because I hate him so much. Mm-hmm. It it really made me feel you know angry and emotional and like all the things that the show is trying to get me to feel. Did it ever feel that some of these trappings of democracy felt very strained? Like there's one point in, in the in this like desperate scenario, or not just a desperate scenario, but just like. There's this one point that made me laugh out loud. I forgot about. It. I was watching this the the two parter season close, and Adama's like, "You just fucking took this military option that I was going to use to nuke this base star and get my people back, and you've sent it to get some goddamn re- holy artifact." Mm-hmm. And he goes to in, he goes to depose her, and she goes, and he's making these. He's like, he's, he's not even really threatened. He's like, "Oh, you know, I'm I'm going to take over. This is a military coup." And she's like, "Oh." the press is here in the room with me and Adama's like my god the press the press hang up the phone I'm like there's 47 (laughs) fucking thousand people that are on ships that and you have the monopoly of force Uh and you're afraid of what the fucking uh, last fleet of mankind times is going to say about it who gives a shit who give like it just seemed ridiculous that he would give that much credence if, if like he's talking about the again we're talking about the fate of the last 47,000 people right in the in the war and he's talking about a press scandal mm-hmm. I thought that was preposterous but I know why it's happening because obviously Ronald Moore is wanting to make a lot of allusions to present day politics and stuff like that and you have to have all these different organs of state and you have to have elections and you have to have that but I felt like it kept striking me as silly in this particular situation that it's almost like mm-hmm. imagine the Titanic goes down and there's two lifeboats left. One, the captain's on one, and fucking the unsinkable Molly Brown's on the other. Somehow she becomes a president, and when the the captain says, "Hey, I, 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 no, this is bullshit. You can't be president. This is stupid." She goes, "Well, there's a reporter on board, mm-hmm. and he'll tell the other lifeboat what you're doing." Right? Like it, it just it seems farcical. Like like sometimes the universe is so small, but it has the trappings of this big universe that it's mm-hmm. it seems it seems silly. Well, I think that the idea here is so Adama is an interesting character. Um, the the larger idea here, I think, is trying to figure out what humanity is now that they've been 
more than decimated. They've been taken down to 47,000 people. Right. Um, like, what does it become? Does it become a military occupation because survival is the most important thing? Or is there something essential about their society and their humanity that they need to hold on to in order to preserve the the spirit of the people to, to right. get them through this? You know, right. like, there's a there's a delicate balancing act that I think Adama is doing throughout this series um, that he kind of comes to very early on. There's there's it's maybe in the mini series where he's he kind of like he's super pissed about this school teacher being the president and like making a call that he would never make. No, I and then he eventually comes around to like okay, I understand why you try to do these things for the people. Um, so it's I understand the he's idea a complicated that character, you want to especially pres- because that you want to preserve democracy and you want to you know because that's a, yeah I get I get all that even if it's just for the morale of the people that right. you need to to see you through this right, right. Um, but Adama especially is a weird character because a lot of the times they will portray him as having a very firm feeling on a thing and mm-hmm. and a very pig headed style but then he always kind of comes down on the right side of it so mm-hmm. like. You'll you'll kind of in some instances think, man, he really swerved on that fucking thing where I didn't see it mm-hmm. coming. Mm-hmm. Um, the the trial of Gaius is one of those things where he's very adamant that Gaius Baltar does not even deserve a fucking trial. He should be beheaded in the the public square, mm-hmm. um, and he's a judge on the panel. But in the end, he votes for the acquittal of Gaius Baltar because the defense made their case and the prosecution didn't. Like it's. It's really hard to predict what Adama's going to do, and I don't know if that's good or bad right. for the show, honestly. Right. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, that's 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 also a worthy thing to explore, is that when you're dealing with an existential crisis, do you abandon all of your ideals? Do you, like, when is it acceptable to, like, engage, as you said earlier in the podcast, acts of terrorism? Right. You know, when do you when when can you stop using, quote unquote, legitimate methods of war and and start attacking civilian populations and applying pressure that way? And is that effective? And even if, you you know, that's the other thing is like you abandon your principles and it still doesn't work. Then what? Mm -hmm. Those are those are all kind of, I guess, valid, valid things to explore. Is there anyone that just is like a son of a bitch? Because I feel like that's the other thing that. Uh, because, because Rosalind Rosalind seemed like she was maddeningly one note on the other side, and Adama, mm-hmm. as you said, even in the miniseries, was kind of like. Originally, I thought it was going to be like, oh, well, this is going to be an interesting struggle between civilian government and you know, or military leadership and civilian oversight and ultimate you know command authority that they mm-hmm. have. Um, but then you're right, like Adama kind of straddles that middle ground where he's like a Cincinnatus type where he'll assume complete military and he has complete military control but it's like okay I'll let these I'll let the civvies have a say like who like like who is a son of a bitch maybe it is Ty because I think Ty is the closest he takes over an earlier in season two and like clearly it looks like they're going to explore a little bit of his uh more rough spun yeah uh, sense of sense of leadership and and uh (laughs) Uh uh-huh you know yeah I mean, Gaius. Gaius is the real, the, the biggest son of a bitch. But he's not the, the son show. of a bitch in the way I'm like, who's right. the guy being like, why the fuck? Like, we have all the guns. Uh-huh. We have all the bombers. We have uh, all the resources and no one can stop us. So if we think we're right and this is what's saving humanity, then why the fuck don't we do it? Yeah, I think that's Ty. Okay. All right. He gets his eye shot out. So apparently 
I that that's the thing. First thing Hulu showed me was a picture of his eye shot, or a picture of him wearing a patch. So uh-huh. things don't go entirely his way. It's not. It's not shot out, but oh, yeah. is it? He loses an eye, certainly. Is it cancer? That goddamn cancer? It's the cancer of the eye. Yeah, the well, ocular, I mean, as much time as they spend cavity cancer. in radiation areas <laughs> yeah. and shooting up anti-radiation drugs, like I imagine that and the rate of getting cancer, hit by nukes. <laughs> yeah, I imagine that the rate of cancer is like ninety-nine point seven percent. Yeah, you know they're gonna have three-eyed babies and tentacles and all kinds of shit. It's gonna look like the underworld of Futurama before too long. <laughs> yeah, there's a so. I say like, oh, Adama is this level headed and I like I understand Rosalind for the most part, but like there's some stuff early on where I feel like they haven't quite established their characters as strongly as they need to. Yeah. Where characters just make really stupid decisions. Like Rosalind's decision not to jump away from the civilian fleet. Mm-hmm. Um it, I think it's maybe the end of the miniseries or or the end of the first part of the miniseries, yeah, where uh, Adama thinks that Lee is dead uh-huh. because the the ship goes off the radar. Right. Um, her decision not to jump away is a completely stupid one. Right. Well, her for, for absolutely no the, reason. Her flip flopping on the Olympic carrier situation was about to make my blood boil. Yeah. Like she fucking gave Adama the deci- the ultimate decision to make that set us the right call, and then when it's time to do it, she started dragging her feet like I don't know. I mean, come and. Yeah. The thing that drove me especially nuts is if you want to tell that, then maybe give us any kind of indication that Adama might be wrong. Mm-hmm. But when they have Starbucks, uh, Starbucks, Starbuck and um, Grande Latte Cappuccino do their slow fly by the Olympic carry and it's completely empty. And it's not responding okay, yeah, yeah. to any yeah. communications. It's barreling towards the fleet with nukes armed, and the, mm-hmm. and, and the president's still in her quarters. I don't know. It's 1,300 people. Like, uh-huh. get the fuck out of here. Yeah, I don't quite understand this. that. And that comes back later And Adama should have said, well, too bad. You already gave me authority. Push the button. You know? Like, <laughs> right. It's like that stuff drove me fucking crazy through the first part of the series. It, yeah, with good reason. I, I don't understand. Like, when you see there's no people on board... It's yeah, not I mean that's the thing. Like, people I thought because I and in it's fact, a big ship. It's in a big fact, as I was watching this unfold, it's like, oh, what's going to happen is Starbuck and Apollo are going to fly by, and there's going to be families, and right. there's going to be little kids waving to them, and yeah. they're really going to put the screws to the situation. And, and in fact, I remember mim- because I'm like, there's no way it can be this stupid. Mm-hmm. But when they drove by, and there's like. I'm like, oh, this is just this. This is why I fucking stopped watching the show. And they should have. They should have done that. And yes. it, it should have been clear that yes. these families were were hostages. Yes, you know, like they should be screaming and clawing at the windows when they see those vipers drive by. Like, yes. save us, save us. Yes, that decision becomes much tougher. I don't understand why they made it. Like, if you the want... decision to blow up a husk of metal is not a decision. Then the president saying, "Well, wait a second, makes more sense. But it, and yeah. it's like to me that feels like self inflicted gunshot wounds. Sure. Those are that's. That's uh that is um Daniel Day Lewis whipping his dick out for thirty seconds mm-hmm. and doing a Charlie Chaplin inexplicably. Yeah. Like that should have been a glaring oversight in the writing room. It should have been a glaring oversight when the script came back, when they're doing the effects <laughs> renders, like there's you know... I, I'm not actually sure that I haven't misread that entire situation because later on in the trial yeah, in okay. the trial of Gaius Baltar, uh Lee gets up on stand and he says I have done really horrible things. And one of the things he cites as being incredibly terrible is destroying the Olympic carrier. But what the fuck? And I'm like, if there was nobody on the Olympic character, carrier, why is that a problem? Right. And if the so Olympic carrier was going to ram into it. the fleet and explode all of its nukes, right. destroy all of humanity. You're a hero, not, yes. a, not a villain. 
this is just like we talked about in Doctor Strange Love, where like it sucks to be on those forty one bombers of right. loyal U.S. servicemen. They're just doing their job, but your forty one times what six lives versus a hundred million? Yeah, I'm sorry, you're so going to have to die. That, that's where you know that's the ins- one of the instances where the show kind of fails you but and, and why I strange think, love a farce did that scene a lot more poignantly and accurately right. than goddamn battles but but i think there are many 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 other scenes in this show that do it so well right uh and completely make up for any you know for for the minor quibbles that you would have with that stuff i don't yeah like that idea of the greater good is mm. a constant throughout this show yeah, and it should and I, be and it absolutely should be and in this I, scenario. And i'm just saying like i just feel like I, I, what I guess is I'm trying to paint that I'm not like obviously I'm not a science fiction hater. Yeah, I was course, really yeah. excited to sit down because I'd heard so many things, and I was really excited to sit down and watch this show. But I kept finding it throwing barrier after barrier to my engagement with the situations to have characters that the situations called for like a really complex moral discussion and debate with reasonable objections on both sides, and they continued to refuse to have that. And just what I felt like make the set up the president to always look like just an objectionist, pig-headed, stubborn, slap Adama on the wrist just to let him know that that you're in charge kind of character. Yeah. So here's here's one gripe I have with this show. By the way, if you're if you're a Battlestar fan, it's going to and me talking about my problems is going to piss you off. You can probably because I think this is the pivot. This is the pivot where I start talking about why I'm I, not a Battlestar fan. I mean, I have a lot of other good stuff that I want to say about this show All right. um, that we'll get to, but I, I do want to pivot because now's a good time. Um, this show has a weird feel to me. Now, I think there are moments in this show that you can look at and say, what the fuck? Mm-hmm. Like, th- this is a baffling decision by this character. A lot of the times when I feel that way, I look at it and I say, yes, I feel that way, but what does it do to the larger picture, I guess? It shows a perspective that maybe I hadn't, that maybe hadn't been injected into the conversation yet, and it's okay. unfortunate that it comes from a character who I view entirely differently from the way the show is using them right yeah. now. But it's an important point that needed to be made. Um, and this show has a tendency not to linger on things at all. Like they they make the decision, they execute it, they get out. Mm-hmm. And I I think when they're going for such like a big scope of conversation and a big scope of viewpoints doing that and like rapid fire and and kind of cutting between all of these people who are making different decisions for different reasons on the same issue it it has a weird feel to it i can't Mm -hmm. ever quite wrap my heart around it Mm -hmm. to say that i love this thing exactly as it is but it it does feel like it has some kind of effect uh like positive effect overall in the show Hmm. It, it gives me a feeling that i haven't felt in other shows which is almost like i want i want more Mm-hmm. But you've kind of already said everything there is that needed to be said about it, mm-hmm. so there's no reason to really give me more. Right. It it always kind of leaves me wanting a slight bit more out of the show, and that's probably one of the reasons I love it so much is because I never grow bored of it. Yeah. It, it continues to move forward, maybe a little bit faster than I'd like it to, but right. always forward. Right. No, that's like we have always talked about how the best way a show can leave you is like when you walk out of a really good restaurant and you've had a really good meal. You're not overstuffed. Like I'm not I I am full and this is great and I want more, but I'm just going to get sick. Yeah. What I need to do is go away and get hungry again and come back and something. But like, right. you know, 
a, a, an infinite buffet with a funnel that shoves it down your mouth is, well, I mean, now you're talking some kind of weird Cylon breeding and feeding program that yeah. surely they explore in season four. Um, the uncomfortable thing, I guess, so I was watching this and like, you know, when I first watched Battlestar, I wasn't, I mean, I don't think I'm a critic now, but I certainly wasn't a fan with a platform and a megaphone to talk about it. I never really did much introspection about why I like or didn't like things. Now that I have to defend these opinions, I spend a lot of time. And as I was making my notes on the first season, I, st- I had this uncomfortable realization that I think if I right now sat down, like if Star Trek The Next Generation came out today, I would have run so far away from that show so fast. Because it's just not up to the it's quality ter- standards? The season one of yeah. Star Trek is oh, yeah. terrible. No, it's bad. And like the Next Generation you're talking. Yeah, Next Generation. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is one of my all-time favorite shows, yeah. and grew and matured, and and, that, and even then, like with its you know uh, with its its episodic content, mm-hmm. I still probably wouldn't have. But I, I, a fundamental shift has happened to me since when I was a twelve-year-old, eleven-year-old that got really into Star Trek: The Next Generation, and now I was looking for reasons to like something, especially mm-hmm. if it's a science fiction show, like oh, shit, here's this robot, and he just effortlessly lists this boy out of a creek that's also a fake holographic <laughs> creek. Uh-huh. That's fucking cool. Um, and, and there's a, a holograph, like, prison below it or something? Yeah. Yeah, and then there's this this starship just broke into two fucking pieces, and it's got a battle mode in this filling transport. That's fucking cool. I want that. To- and, yeah. and, you know, like, and and uh, the fact that, that uh, Captain Picard is su- summoned to a cosmic kangaroo court that this, like, higher being is going to judge him on. It's like, those are cool concepts. The fact that the central plot is heavy-handed and Saturday morning cartoon and thin and bullshitty uh never in because I wasn't looking for reasons not to watch the show I was looking right. for reasons to to invest and, and keep watching um and nowadays I tend to look for reasons not to watch a show because there's so much good shit in it why would you waste your time with something that's not perfect or something that's not at least perfect for you sure and that sucks I'm like well shit if I'd have taken that attitude in with me to Star Trek I'd never been become a Star Trek fan mm-hmm and that's a big that's that's a that's a huge part of my life. So I don't have to so everything that I would say negative about Battlestar just know that it goes 10 times more for things like Star Trek and Deep Space 9 that I have a great deal of affection and would defend you know to the nth degree on an internet forum. Yeah. Um but Yeah, I, I no one will argue that well, may, some people will argue maybe, but I would certainly wouldn't argue that Battlestar Galactica is not a better show than Next Generation. Right. I think it's a much better made show. The other thing is, so there's a lot of things peculiar to my background. I already talked about the fact that as a newly minted, out of a fundamentalist Christian cult, Mm -hmm. agnostic heading into atheist, it was very tough to watch President Roslin, who I don't think they did a particularly good job of... Mm -hmm making her seem well-reasoned or rational or like you know no, i mean that, that's and, the point and also of her. the thing yeah. is like i was, I was she's just, not that rational like adama is also uh mcdonald uh you know president stands with a fist yeah i Mary don't know McDonald. that i don't i don't know that i even enjoy her performance because i felt like some of this stuff was written in a way and then she got it and performed it with maximum smugness and conviction where it like where adama always plays stuff with like a slight doubt like he's certain of a convictions, but he's also like he he 
he plays it like he's considering the other option. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas President Rosalind is always right, and yeah. I, I never, I mean, the stuff that I've seen, I, ne- I never get to see her kind of hoisted on her own petard or like, oh my god, this is a, you know, even after. Well, this goes to the 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 idea you were talking about earlier that humans will always have uh, some kind of religion, right? Because it's it's you when you have faith like that, you can be assured. Um, you sure. you can. You can just blindly walk into that and say, yes, this is absolutely right, because there's nothing to prove you wrong. Right. Um, that, that's that's the thing about it. Like, that's a question that and science can't really And even if you're wrong, really you touch. weren't wrong. You just misunderstood the prophecy. Sure. Yeah. And... Uh, it, it's very easy to course correct in that, too. Sure. Yeah. Um, but that's kind of the viewpoint she's coming from. So yeah. I, I get that part of her performance. I just don't know that I like Mary McDonnell as a performer. But I just want to emphasize how, like, one of the core problems of Jehovah's Witnesses is they've been tricking people to enslaving themselves this religion on the promise of a paradise to come since 1867. Yeah. And every fucking time they predict the end of the world, they're always wrong. They did it in in the late 1800s because they're an Adventist shoot-off. They did it in uh 1914 they did it in like 1933 they did it in the 60s they did it in the 70s they did it again in the 90s and like and i I became aware as like i'm just the latest generation of suckers and i immediately sit down to watch this science fiction show and i've got this political character who's blindly following prophecies and you can see how like i'll just use the word triggered like that's just a white hot fucking knife in my skull as i'm watching this and then if that character plays it not with doubt or humility, but with maximum smugness and and and, and moral certitude. It, it really was hard for me to watch. The other thing is that um, I was a huge Tom Clancy fan. Like gritty military realism is mm-hmm. like I, I I I like that. I like I like the a, a very realistic depiction of that kind of. Um, you know, world and and I pay a lot and I, I've read a lot of good military fiction i guess mm-hmm. and this show i feel like a lot of people give it credit because it throws a lot of military jargon but there's just fundamentally silly things like the episode 33 it's ridiculous that they've done this 237 times and they're still doing ready room briefings mm-hmm. in between the sorties and <laughs> And, okay. And, I mean, I mean, they, they acknowledge that. Yeah, it doesn't help. It doesn't no. help when on mm. 237, Apollo says, shit, you I've done this done 237 this, times. Just do the same thing we've always done. You think it should have been on the 13th time? Yeah, like, that's what? the thing. It's like everything is just like fucking. Here's, re- here's the problem I have with 33. I'm with you. Because like I, I, I think th- this could have been like day two. Because the other thing is like no human being. And I kept on thinking as I was watching this episode, like, well, they're on some kind of futuristic stims. Mm-hmm. But then Apollo goes and orders her uh, 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 Starbuck to take stimulants on the fifth day of no sleep. Like maybe one out of ten pilots could maintain some kind of effective combat readiness with this adrenaline for five days. But a whole fucking ship and fleet full, it's ridiculous. This should have been like going on the second day where people are running out of gas. And I, I just feel like they, they got the trappings of accuracy, but like no one has actually asked someone like – What's the longest a, a, a fighter pilot could stay at combat ready, readiness during World War II? I, I, I did a, I did a Google search on how long can you how long can you go without sleep, uh-huh. 
and five days is obscene. Five days it is, is obscene. So it's ridiculous. Here's the thing. I, I think 33 is an amazing, amazing episode that yes. sets up the, the desperation and the tone of this show yes. in an astoundingly good way. Yes. However, I'm with you on that. I think they should have gone two days. They should have gone two days and maybe like 50 jumps, something like that. Yes. It, it would have made a lot more sense and it would have felt. I think what they said is, okay, we know that you can do this for two days. The audience doesn't know that. Let's amp it up. Yeah. Let's say, like, what's the longest you've ever stayed awake? Oh, shit, I've stayed awake for 38 hours. Uh-huh. No problem. I felt bad, but yeah. I, I could have gone probably another 12. No yeah. problem. Yeah. They're like, fuck that. We're going to go double and say that these people are superhuman. Right. Uh, and, that the, and, and think about how much worse you would feel at double that. But think about how much, and they're doing. But it's just not humanly possible. Like people can stay awake for eleven days, but you're basically dead. Yeah, and also the equipment. They're doing combat where they're essentially crashing into the carrier every fucking time. Yeah, and they have like what twelve vipers. I mean, hallucinations start at day two. Yeah, I mean, just the human and mechanical (laughs) breakdowns. It's just, it's just, it's I. It's completely silly, and it took me completely out of the the action. And it's a, a lot of like George Martin gets into this problem too, like. You know, there's a it's a battle of a hundred thousand people versus hundred. Like it's just and and when Rosin said it's a straight face, how do we lose three hundred people? You lost exactly three hundred people. How the fuck did you lose exactly three hundred people? <laughs> That's the bigger question. Not how do we lose those people, but that number three hundred people? people. Not three hundred one. Yeah. Not three hundred seven. Not three hundred sixty three. Not two hundred ninety. Like three hundred. Just yeah. exactly three hundred people, huh? Yeah. Like it's it just it's little things like that. Now, granted. I would have rolled my eyes a little bit, but had not the central drama of the Olympic carrier gone down the way it does, I, mm-hmm. those would have probably been things where, like, well, she whiz, that was a 90% episode that – or that was that was a 97% episode It's now an 85 because of, like, just, again, self-inflicted gunshot wounds because Ronald Moore wants to make this super fucking gritty and right. super hard-boiled and ridiculous. But then – this they, they I, I felt like the way the president responded to the end and the way they staged it just brought it down to like a a like an a plus idea with d execution hmm. and it's like a sixty five for me uh-huh um yeah, it's a shame. and then all those things too, like the admiral on day five of no sleep is taking the time to fucking shave himself mm-hmm. i mean. May, again, that's the what most ha- why, minor... Why not day four? Like, why are you letting it grow so long, Admiral? If you're trying to keep up appearances... I assume that he shaved every day, but, like, really? the ad- like every th- And the other thing is, every 33 minutes... Like, right. like honestly, the Cylons coming every three hours would have been unsustainable. Mm-hmm. But it's got to be 33 minutes. 33 minutes for the Admiral to leave the bridge, go take his shirt off, fucking shave. It's just, I don't uh-huh. know, it's... I, um, okay, that seems like an arbitrary thing to get mad about. But oh, no, I, you're may, right. Maybe you're, you're right. I, I've, you know, at I've, that point, I've dis- gone against my suspension of disbelief. Uh, yeah, right? yeah. So I should uh, keep moving on. But there's so much stuff that they do right in in this show too, where yep. where it comes down to, I don't know. So I'm not like this big military buff or anything, but I think mm-hmm. a lot of the stuff they do there is interesting. The other thing that I'm not I a military feel like buff, I'm a military fiction buff. Fiction buff. Okay, uh, I'm not a real life internet. I'm not even an internet badass. I just <laughs> like reading about other fake badasses. Okay, that's fair. Uh, good distinction. Yeah. Um, the other thing that they do really well, and I don't understand why more fucking sci-fi series don't do this, but they do physics so well in this. You know, like they do. They, yeah, they don't do the bullshit where 
spacecraft fly like planes. They bank. Yeah. There's no atmosphere right. here. We're doing flips constantly. Yeah. We can turn around and move the opposite direction right. at a moment's notice. They use that really fucking right. well, and all the space battle stuff is really good. No, I do think it's cool that Star Wars does. But sci-fi is the only, the only fucking network that can get this right with yeah. The Expanse and Battlestar. Firefly, Firefly, Firefly did, got, got a fair did. amount of it right. Yeah, yeah. I, think, I think it's space combat. Now, I will. I, I agree. They're the the hyper military realism of the way like combat and space work felt very real and grounded and super cool. Yeah, I thought all of the the ground based combat was really shitty. Like when you have squads of of guys going up against Cylons. And, yeah, it yeah. just was really bad. Like the the the, the aforementioned um, rescue mission, uh, where where no, they're going back to get a med kit to save some dude that's dying of radiation poisoning. <laughs> uh, think think back to Next Generation on that regard. No, it's, <laughs> but, that, but Star but Star Trek never it's so bad. Star Trek never said we are the gritty, realistic military science fiction show. Right, right. This show did, and okay. like just the, the the gun handling, the tactics, the scenarios. Yeah. Uh, just you know, fucking Starbuck going in there with a with a revolver essentially and trying to take down this asylum. I mean, I'd why? Yeah. I don't know. It's a I'm little. With you on that. It's it's a little. It's a little bad. Um, how does the concept of who's a Cylon and not a Cylon? How does that not get silly over four seasons? Like it didn't get silly at this point. Who's a Cylon and not? Just just the idea of there are Cylons like, in the mix. Because I've noticed in fiction where people can assume other people's identities that you have to use that very carefully and sparingly, or it can get silly. Because we see even in the the fandom of Game of Thrones where like it gets really fucking silly. Like uh-huh. people saying like, "Well, since you can be glamoured in this, then this guy could be this guy who's actually this girl who actually did this," and it's like. And you can't really. Well, yeah, I mean, the fandom on it is a little different than the show itself. The That's show itself, saying. a lot of the times, will just have something more urgent to do. Okay. Like here, here's a very pressing issue that we have to deal with, and so the Cylon thing is shelved. Because for the it moment. felt like, and maybe it's because of season one, they're introducing all these concepts and are all very much in your face. But it's like if they didn't pump the brake on that a little bit, it seemed like it would yeah. get exhausting. No, they they bring it back when it's important, um, okay. when they need to do interesting character stuff. Um, but for a lot of it, they kind of don't. I noticed a lot in in the Cobal Part One and Two. The um, shit, what was it called? Something Cobal. Goodbye Cobal. Hello Cobal. I don't know how I stopped. Learned to stop worrying and love the Cobal. What? What? They do the stagger zoom. Oh, they do a lot of Where camera every time, stuff the, I don't the, really the, the like. The drunk camera swinging, and then like yeah. as the chief says three different sentences, it pop zooms in on his face. Like, yeah. I notice a little bit like a Handmaid's Tale does a similar thing where they do the focus moving in and out of the main character. Uh-huh. Like it just kind of pulls like like the camera guys literally just just turn into focus wheel. And I found that distracting. Uh-huh. Um, you know, I, I, I love I love fancy camera work. But it seems like I love fancy camera work when they're actually trying to make you feel and and think a certain way. Yeah. When it's just like this is this show's gag. It's just going to be Dutch Dutch angles and drunken camera and uh-huh. fucking this weird staggered zoom effect. It, it, I found it very very ex- uh, very distracting. So the place that I like it that it felt almost counterintuitive to use it but it really worked for me is out mm-hmm. in space mm-hmm. like during the space battles when they got the shaky cam going yeah. and they're kind of trying to follow this frenetic yeah, action that, I really loved if it if they would have saved it for that I think that would be cool because that yeah. that feels like you're an embedded you're like you know some kind of embedded 
press reporter that's trying to catch all the action. It, it feels stupid because you're in this vast openness, right? right? And if you wanted to, you could zoom out and take in the whole thing right. from a, a single fixed angle. But right. but they don't. They get in sort of closer, whatever that means in space, yeah, yeah. Um, and give you kind of a more personal feel there. But where I don't like it is where they do a lot of... This is just a scene of two people talking, and the camera is shaking violently. Yeah. I really found that distracting. Oh, I did too. But it's part of this show's style, I guess. Um, I also, the other thing that, like, here's another thing I hate about President Rosalind. President Rosalind is keeping her cancer secret. Yeah. The fact that a president only has six months to live is highly religious and prone to having <laughs> prophetic visions uh, is something that maybe the press should know. Uh-huh. And in a scene, like, like we just established this, that she's keeping her cancer secret. But then she 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 drops a Dama secret about him using Earth as a carrot to Starbuck. I'm like, you son of a bitch. Yeah. Ha like if I was a Dama, as soon as as, as Starbucks started fu- hey, did you know that the president <laughs> is see having crazy visions because of her brain cancer and uh-huh. she's got six months to live, so she's desperate to try to get you know, like 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 fucking play that card right back at her. Put her on blast. Yeah. Make no, sure the that's whole one of the fleet... infuriating things about Ross. Yeah, yeah. Call up the press corps and be like, Did you know our president's got six months to live? She's dying of cancer and she's got these she's a religious fanatic and she's yeah. seeing visions, quote unquote tumor transmissions. Like <laughs> Oh my god, she drives me crazy. Like even her, yep. in this episode in, in Cobalt Part One, even the her chief of staff, Billy. Mm-hmm. Is like you're fucking crazy, lady, and she's still maximum. She's sitting there, stands with her fist, and like, nope, super not, super not crazy. Billy eventually gets viciously murdered, right? I don't know. I haven't, I haven't got that far. I think he does. I haven't got that far. I, I can't remember. I think he has like his guts torn out by a centurion or something. So, and then I remember the second where I decided not to watch any more Battlestar at the end of no, part no. two of Cobble when Boomer flips her Cylon switch. This robot who's on a, a, a and maybe maybe it, it serves the Cylon's ultimate purpose, but she gut shots Obama. Uh, uh, Obama. Obama. She gut shots Adama yeah. twice mm-hmm. from close range, and I'm like, this is just to have a fucking bullshit cliffhanger, and he's not dead because if he's going to die, she would have shot him in the head. Right. So as a robot. Is there is is as a Cylon? Is there an explanation for why she just didn't assassinate Adama? I don't think so. So that's fucking stupid, and yeah. that's a dumbass fucking cliffhanger. And I was over this show. And yeah. I hope you might disagree with me. You might say that seasons two through three make everything worth it. But I hope you understand, as a person in my situation in life, who really hasn't changed much, would have lost a patience and decided this again. Yeah. Great show, lots of big ideas. Lots of thrilling science fiction action. It's just not not for me. Yeah, no, I think it's a great show with a few flaws. Um, one of the great things we haven't talked about is the music. It oh, was yeah. so different from any of the other, mm-hmm. I, I mean, really anything on TV at the right. time. It's the first time I heard of Bear McCreary, mm. who came up with this just brilliant drum-based right. score, this military-feeling score um, that then later morphs into this weird... Jimi no. Hendrix based thing. I don't. I don't fucking understand any. Also, of anytime, that. anytime uh, Rosalind starts getting religious, it's a little bit of back, little little uh, auto tune bagpipey. Okay, I don't, yeah. I don't quite remember that. Kind of like, I don't know. I can't. I can't quite explain the music. It's a little bit between auto tune bagpipey and generic evil terrorist on twenty four. Hmm. You know, like the. 
Yeah, I, I can't. I can't. You know what I'm talking about. Anytime they show a Middle Eastern man walking into a mosque on 24, they play <laughs> I'm not the vaguely menacing Middle Eastern man music. Okay. And it's the combination of that and auto-tuned bagpipes. Hmm. That's President Rosalind. I'm, I'm getting crazy tumor transmissions from my brain music. <laughs> okay. Um, but no, I, I agree. The the ch- 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 kind of stuff yeah. that's going on during the space battles and during the Love tense it. military scenes is is, is is super cool. The the theme of the show is really good. Uh, it, why does why does Adama's best friend not know how to pronounce his last name? He pronounced Adama Adama interchangeably in this first se- episode of the second season, which I found yeah. was super funny. Uh, Gaius is pronounced Gaius sometimes, right. and what I get uh, it like if you just. Uh, acquainted with the person sure but like him to be like this is adama's ship and it will be his ship until the day adama dies like <laughs> you just said it one way dude it's the same fucking take it's, what the hell it must be an inside joke for those guys maybe maybe and he's even though he's dying in the in in the sick bay it's, right he's still taking the piss <laughs> Uh, the the CG mostly holds. By the up, way, I we think. still have a shit ton of feedback, and we're okay. like an hour thirty minutes on this. Yeah, I, I got a few more things okay. I want to talk about. So the CG I think holds up better than it has any right to from oh, being four, yeah. fifteen years ago at this yeah, point. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, I, I can't believe that anybody who works on the bridge of Battlestar Galactica could get anything done because of how dark it is. <laughs> it has like the darkest bridge of any sci-fi series ever. I feel like that's kind of like. You know, like it's it, like a submarine feel yes, to it. Exactly, and, and I understand that it's this old antiquated ship that you know they're going for a, a navy kind of feel. But yeah, plus all those uh, it's it's, all, it's crewed exclusively the young people, so they got that's per, true. they got they got great vision. You get those they're, young they're, eyes. They're eating. They're, they're they they eat their carrots. <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, but I, I don't know. We can probably move on to the feedback. I'm sure there's some good stuff to talk about in there uh yes let's get the feedback uh jay nothing has corners for reason russo says one of the things the article points out oh he actually sent me the uh the ascent that there's a nerdist article on the essential 12 episodes of battlestar galactica okay um and i watched essentially the first five of those episodes which was most of the stuff i wanted to watch anyway because i knew i wanted to watch the miniseries just to make sure i grounded i knew i wanted to watch 33 because 33 is where Again, I really like the miniseries other than the pre- present Rosalind, but, but 33 is where I'm like, ooh, these cracks are starting to widen. Uh, and I was going to just like start on season two and watch two or three more episodes, but then reading through the synopsis of the Cobalt Part 1 and 2, I'm like, oh, no, this is actually going to help me crystallize. Um, but he, he sent this Nerdist article, the 12 Essential Episodes, and he says, one of the things this article points out and I agree with is the importance of the series finale. It might lack some punch if you haven't seen the whole series, but I'd love to know what you and Jim think of how Ron Moore ended things. I I didn't attempt because I felt like it'd be the height of folly for me to jump to the season, the series finale, yeah, without yeah. understanding anything about the Cylon religion and the resurrection process and all the things that happened. Um, but I thought maybe you could could speak to that because it seems like you're ambivalent. I mean, I feel, I feel like I already have. Like I've told you basically the plot of it, but but you're ambivalent about. I, I, yeah, you've explained it, but like you yourself. I feel like you're saying you're conflicted about what that means. And are you surprised mm-hmm. that Jay says that the series finale is essential or the series finale is makes the show? Yeah, I don't I don't think it I'll say that I don't think Battlestar Galactica has uh well, it depends on what he means by finale, I guess. Does he mean the final like 3 episodes cuz that's what it was. Okay. Um 
It says the series finale. I, I assume that was just a single episode. But... I mean, if you're talking about like them landing on Earth and reestablishing a civilization accidentally mm-hmm. that is potentially going to re-enslave <laughs> robot AIs, I feel like that is definitely important. Right. Because it's telling you that the cycle is happening all over again with maybe the added twist of things could go differently. Right. Um, and... and and like, what is our role in making sure things go differently this time? Right. But well, and that I, also... I didn't feel like it was as good of an ending, or d- certainly as satisfying of an ending as like a Next Generation. Yeah, and that seems like something that Ron Moore wanted to say about the real world. That like, yeah, are we going to continue this cycle of escalation, provocation, mm-hmm. uh, um, destruction, taking over? bitter feelings leading to provocations like or is like there's going to be one point where humanity kind of decides enough is enough and i get it it takes two to tango and everything mm-hmm. um sometimes some one side has to be the the bigger side and someone has to like you know what there is we there we have put each other through hell and it's time to move on and for the sake yeah. of peace and change like is that do you think an adequate statement of what he's trying to get at or am i i think so reading a little too much into it i think so but here's so here's a flaw in execution i think in the finale um it comes down to like these characters being a little schizophrenic like i feel like sometimes they put lines of dialogue in the wrong character's mouth so for instance Hmm. in the in the final moments of the series uh the apparition or whatever of six looks around at modern-day Earth society and says, hey, does this remind you of anything? Shit's fucked, L- Look yo. at all this decadence and, mm-hmm. and runaway technology. Decadence. What what the fuck does that mean in that context? Uh, it means Gaius Baltar. <laughs> like, uh, pinstripe suits and sunglasses. I don't know. <laughs> okay. Uh, but, but, yeah, just, like, all the frivolousness of it and uh, the runaway technology. And then in... In that same conversation, she turns around and says, hey, but but we have a chance to change all this. Mm-hmm. Why are you the one who notices and points it out and then has this extended conversation with Gaius who never gives you a counterpoint? Mm. You're giving yourself a counterpoint? I don't – I guess you're just bringing up the topic, but you're doing it in a way that says you're skeptical that humans will ever change. Well, also and doesn't at the even same give time, a chance for Baltar to show he's learned anything either. Exactly. Like I, I feel like they put the wrong lines in the wrong characters' mouths sometimes. Mm-hmm. Like, you could have an obvious point-counterpoint there that would make right. a lot of sense and would be within, like, a singular viewpoint from each of these characters, but right. you don't do it. And I, hmm. and that's where I kind of, like, lose the thread on a lot of this stuff is when characters just become a jumbled mess. Yeah. And nobody has a solid viewpoint on it, and, and I can't track it clean. Hmm. So I don't fucking know, man. Jeff says, I hope you comment on how prescient the series was. As technology becomes more networked, the greater the systemic risks. Okay, sure. Um, I can struggle with that. It's because I, I was reading an article the other day that says, as much as we're talking about you know cyber terrorism and cyber warfare, that our system also has a lot of like not even that kind of hacker level risks. Like it was talking about like how much damage mm-hmm. you could do at a power substation and an axe. Mm-hmm. Like it, like making you think that like man, if we ever have real political unrest in this country. Like like citywide riots, uh, it could be far more destructive and dangerous than it's ever been before because we have 
developed this system of you know vast importance of automation vast importance of electronics vast importance of energy and power and yet have done nothing to harden any of the supply lines it's like having you know a military scenario would be like you're fighting a war a thousand miles away from your home base and yet you're delivering stuff to the front lines in 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 constant constant wagons on okay. mud roads you know yeah like because we haven't had to think about that um so yeah i mean i think about that a lot how relatively fragile the civilization that we've built mm-hmm. uh largely speaking for you know west western civilization and and uh, some of the um well i mean all all countries are moving towards this and 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 how how fragile and um unprotected it is from any kind of t- determined assault yeah i I look at the show and I also see how, I guess, short-sighted it is, too, because, like, Mm -hmm. the idea that these AIs would not be just constantly linked, that they'd be contained in some kind of weird metal bodies. Right. That Cylons and Centurions would be a thing. Uh I mean, it wouldn't be. It'd just be the Cylon and Centurion consciousness. Right. You know, it'd be more like the Borg. It seems almost almost laughable in the face of something like the Borg, which was done 25 years ago. Yeah. 30 years ago. Yeah. Um, I, I, do I, I don't wish, know. The, the AI just won't take that form. I do wish they'd use a little bit of technobabble to salve my science fiction mind about some of this stuff, because you're right. Like, I remember also laughing in the miniseries, they established the fact that these Cylon replicants are biologically indistinguishable from humans. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they also have some sort of way to communicate to the home base through subspace. Yeah. Do you have and, a subspace and, antenna built in? I mean, I haven't seen, like, I haven't seen, like, your butthole or your dick. You I mean, could I, have I one there. I don't but... talk about that. It's not yeah. something I'm really comfortable talking about. Like that, so that, so that's, I always think it's funny that, like, Six is seen as super humanly strong. Yeah. But she's biologically indistinguishable from a human. Except her spine lights up when she gets hot it's super weird though right it's, <laughs> it's, it's very it, it'd weird be yeah. like okay like chimpanzees are five times stronger than humans uh-huh. uh there's biological reasons for that the tendons are attached to different focal points in their arms their muscles are denser like you put them on a scanner it's right. like no one would be like this this chimpanzee body is indistinguishable from ours like yeah that's ridiculous the fact that and at a dna level the fact that you have to die to be able about? to go home and tell everybody what you know is kind of dumb i I don't know. I wish there was a little bit more thought to the main conceits of the show and making them seem plausible and believable. But I think also had I been a different person when I sat down in 2009 and watched this and had the they'd been a little bit more fair to the characterization of Rosalind, I wouldn't be saying this. There's a, there's you know this is the suspension of disbelief has no longer worked and I'm I'm nitpicking. Yeah. Um, Anubis21 says, I'd like to hear you guys talk about the heavy emphasis on the religion, especially with the Cylons. <laughs> I think we've talked about that. Do you think that. it works or just makes them more confusing? You probably won't get to it also, but the first three or four episodes of season three are great with the occupation of New Caprica by the Cylons and the human resistance. That's what yeah. you were talking about, the trial of Baltar, right? Uh, yes, the early, the, the instigator for that, sure. Hmm. Uh, Cleveland Punk says, "What do you guys think about the effect of today's internet fandom would have had on the show if it weren't current? If it were currently airing, would I mean, there, there was internet fandom back that's what then, I'm saying, and like, it was a shit show. I mean, people ask me that about uh, 
X-Files, mm-hmm. and I was on the internet when X-Files was on, and, it, you know, it was, use, it, was ever, there, it was Usenet. Everything was going down in Usenet. Now, yeah. it's a much smaller segment of a much nerdier community, whereas now you've got lots of different peoples uh, of all types of inclinations and, mm-hmm. and, and passions and experiences adding to the conversation. But as long as I can remember... There's always been this kind of fan, like fan commentary. Like yeah. I have to go back to like my pre-adolescent to find like, boy, I wish there was someone to talk Star Trek: Next Generation with. I wish there was someone to talk Earth Two with. I wish there was someone to talk Earth right. Final Conflict. By the time X Files and beyond, there was always an internet community to do this. Yeah, there were message boards. I was on some of them. Like, right. The, it, there, there was shipping. Like all of that stuff happened. Right. I, I will just say for the record that. Uh, Chunky Jamie Bamber is a bad Jamie Bamber, and long-haired Jamie Bamber is the worst Jamie Bamber. What the hell are you talking about? But long-haired Starbuck is the best Starbuck. Who's Jamie? He's Lee. Oh. So Lee gets Lee gets chunky for a while. Does he? he yeah. He and goes then Charlie he, from It's Always Sunny. He <laughs> yeah. adds some mass. He does. Oh, that's Mac. Yeah. He he goes Mac for a while. Add weight. And and then he he sheds that but then he gains it in hair and it's bad it's just bad jamie yeah he so he 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 sewed mass and he harvested hair <laughs> he did whereas starbuck harvests hair and she looks great so mm. i'm i'm a big fan of long-haired starbuck i haven't seen long-haired starbuck i thought the uh, short-haired starbuck was uh fairly charismatic herself yeah there's no bad starbuck but long hair is my favorite um let's see uh also he says he observes it's um Oh, wait, 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 wait. Uh, he goes, would the Reddits of the world have sniffed out the clues as to who the Cylons were? Almost certainly. And, in fact, I there's there's got to be, you know, television without pity forums and oh, stuff. Dude. where you, there's, there's got to be forums where people have historically called that shit. So I rewatched the All Along the Watchtower episode, which it telegraphs. Well, there's where it. Jimi Hendrix comes from. Yeah. No, it, no, exactly. Yeah. Oh, okay, I, okay. It's this fucking weird melding of Jimi Hendrix and Battlestar you know Galactica at the end, and Bear I don't Creary get it. does that, because remember this fi- the final season that we just watched of The Walking Dead, where Ezekiel leads the resistance, and they, 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 they he's like, you know what? This guy's a fake king. I'm going to throw some Renaissance Fair music in there. Uh, yeah. I, I think that's what Bear, Bear he does. does. He's like, oh, what's the most obvious thematic element? I'm going to grab it and go with it. Yeah, no, they, they straight up do a cover. It's this, like, crazy... Middle Eastern, like I don't even know how to describe it. It's a so really cool the, cover. They mix the 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 menacing Middle Eastern man mosque music and the bagpipes, with the bagpipes and Jimi Hendrix, and Jimi Hendrix, and out comes some <laughs> baffling combination of plot and music that I don't quite get. But right. it's interesting. But yeah, they telegraphed the Cylon stuff, and people would have been all over that. Um, let's see. Or would the show have to switch things up, etc.? Would there have been a bigger backlash at the ending? As I recall, that was the other thing that kind of cemented that the reputation this show has for kind of falling off the cliff in season four. Because that's is that is that a controversial opinion to state that like the fourth season and the ending is weaker than what people were expecting from the first three seasons? I I don't know. Is that a very is like I'm trying to think is is that a is that a minority opinion an extreme minority opinion or like I'm. Like a moderate position. I I I don't really remember like what the vibe was around it. Because um, I know of- that I was con- I was left a little consternated by it. I was a little okay. confused, um, but, but ultimately I think satisfied. Yeah. 
Um, it's funny I don't know the history on the show with you, t- or I didn't know the history on the show with you two. I would have guessed the opposite that you had watched the whole thing and Jim had bailed. Hmm. Oh no, I saw the whole thing. I was watching as it was airing. Maybe you like science fiction a little bit more than me, and I like fantasy a whole lot more than you. Oh, you that last half is definitely true. <laughs> but I like science fiction a lot. You do, yeah, yeah. Um, Minoj said, I bias very heavily towards Jim's POV here, and I w- so would most of the commissioners, I imagine. Yeah. The only thing I'd like to ask is to please try to understand why this show has a crazy cult following quite a bit of the time after it stopped airing. The timing of the show, context of war, the issues it addressed, uh, maybe too many, parenthetically. <laughs> the incredibly stellar cast, the writing, not sure if some of the weak moments in seasons three or four really detract from the greatness of the show overall. So here again, even a pretty big fan is saying that there are weak moments in seasons three and four. Oh, yeah. I wouldn't deny that. And I agree. Like, the writing especially, I don't know about the plotting, but the writing and dialogue and the character moments really shine. And I, I, Yeah, mm-hmm. like... You get a science fiction show that has a great cast, that has great characters and dialogue, and then you wrap it into mystery box within mystery box. That seems to be the key to have rabid fans. Yeah. So the the the, the challenge of that is paying it off to where it receive, receives almost universal critical praise. That's mm-hmm. much harder to get. Yeah, um, and I, I haven't really talked much about like how good the characters are, but... That was one of the biggest hooks for me was just the relationships between the characters. I like the I like the made up slurs too and swears. Yeah, I, I was about to I was I wanted to make it more of a thing, but then I looked I just before I did, I was gonna go off about like what a brilliant conceit that is to get people dropping motherfuckers on a basic cable show, but then I looked up and Firefly had come out two years previously. Uh yeah. And Firefly I think does that Chinese. even more classy. <laughs> Yeah, because frack is essentially just a one to one thing for fuck. Whereas, like, you can tell <laughs> exactly how much swearing the fireflies guys are doing by how long the Chinese flows, right? Or how many times they say "goram." Yeah, 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 yeah. So um, I feel like they get they get a half star taken away because they essentially just took a concept that really worked on, on yeah. Firefly. Uh, Matt from Boston uh, wanted us to put thirty three on the required reading list or watching list, which already already we're gonna watch it there matt but mm-hmm. but we we think alike strong first episode and really rope into the series after equally strong miniseries i did a quick rewatch of all three so that i can make better comments the special effects and thought that went into the set design space combat maneuvers and world bu- building were really on display with any blatantly expository dialogue the conflicts and struggles of the series are efficiently laid out with action galore i thought it really stood up after 13 years i mm-hmm. i i totally agree with all of that and that first miniseries is really elegant in its storytelling. Yeah, one person... Like, tying tying it all together through six, like, her physical form, like, yeah. who, what she looks like, is just a really good way to do it. Yeah. Um, to tell, like, a, a big, a large, large what, chunk of that story. It's funny, because one of our commissioners discouraged me from watching the miniseries because hmm. he felt like it was some of the weaker moments well, and I totally disagree. Really? I totally yeah, disagree. Like I said, too. my my sole problem with the miniseries was I felt Rosalind was a little thrower waiter, and maybe she needs to be. She's the school teacher, fifty seventh, and she's man got something to prove against this yeah. admiral who has all the guns. And she, like I said, I, I don't think it's an unfair the the brinksmanship she's playing is uh, is unfair. It's just I wish it was better. Mm-hmm. I wish she was better written, and I wish McDonald had chosen 
a little bit of nuance to the role, but I don't know. Uh, the space combat is inc- uh, incredible. Flip around and fire while still heading away uh, yeah. on inertia. Too many shows, films, treat space battles like air battles, <laughs> cough, cough, Star Wars. Uh-huh. BSG battles seem like the type of battles that would really happen in Zero-G. Again, I think Star Wars has its charm. Like, one of the things that you'll never hear me bitch about in The Last Jedi was the bomber sequence. Because it continues Star Wars' role of being essentially World War II in space. Right. So, But there's so much cool shit you can do. Agreed. With actual space physics. Agreed. Agreed. Let's Let's see some of that. Like, if you want that in the modern era... Go watch The Expanse. Yes, The Expanse. They do some really excellent the stuff. The Expanse, I think, is Battlestar perfected. Like, okay. if you want ultra-realistic politics, similar. ultra-realistic looks at, uh, you know, like 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 near-future or far-future politics and space combat, and mm-hmm. it is it is really, really impressive. Um, ba- Battlestar Galactica is gritty, realistic, action-packed science fiction series that still has strong character development and mostly well-thought-out story arc or arcs and mostly realistic character motivations. BSG spot on the sci-fi world wa- wasn't replaced in my mind until The Expanse came out. There you go. Yeah, okay. There you go. Um, I guess I can't help commenting beyond season one. Overall, I really liked the series, but it seriously faltered as it went on. I would generally give season one through three positive marks, but the end of season three and four really went off the deep end with ludicrous and infuriating finale. <laughs> okay. All right. So apparently it was super I, divisive. Yeah. I am, you know, if, if, if the pool of fans that would actually shell out money to hear us talk about it is any indication, <laughs> even super fans have, have their quibbles with the show. Yeah. Certainly. Uh, Devin from Maine, really looking forward to hearing this podcast. I was in high school and college when Battlestar Galactica was on the air and was a huge fan, but when I rewatch these days, I find the experience somewhat lacking. I'm curious if it's simply because I'm older or because I've since watched some truly great television like Breaking Bad, The Leftovers, and Mad Men. I'm excited to hear your thoughts and analysis of BSG. I mean, when I watch especially the first seasons of Star Trek The Next Generation, I have to put on the nostalgia goggles mm-hmm. pre and, 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 and drink to, 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 <laughs> I mean, there's still like, there's probably 10 episodes of star Trek that are as good as anything that I've seen on television. And um, there are 10 that are just unwatchably unwatchable, bad. laughably yeah. bad, laughably ham fisted and poorly conceived yeah. and, and just, just bad ideas all around. Uh-huh. Um, but that was the thing about episodic television. It's like, well, that episode sucked. Oh, Data is getting a dance next episode. Woo! Like, right. I even remember thinking that sometimes. Like, oh, that was kind of a turd. But oh, next week will be better. Um, and especially, it's it's harsh because this show, like I said earlier, does have such a good memory for its yes. characters' decisions that when they make decisions that don't seem based within their character, it's extra it becomes jarring. part of their character and influences further things later on. And you're like well, fuck, I didn't like this decision that they made and felt it was out of character. Now they're making more decisions on top of it. That's one of the charms of episodic television, honestly. Yeah. Like, you can course correct so much easier... For sure. ...than when you've got a season that you can't just pretend didn't exist. <laughs> right. So, um... Yeah, that's uh, again, it's one of the charms of it. I was hoping that you and Jim would spend a few minutes comparing BSG and Star Trek, especially Deep Space Nine. I know you both are fans of the latter, and Jim, mm. like me, watched Deep Space Nine after Battlestar. What? Well, I mean, you've re- I think he means you've recently oh, gone, I've gone back, back and, and yeah, watched yeah, yeah. it. Yeah. The two shows share a creative source in the form of Ronald Moore, who is a supervising producer of Deep Space Nine and executive ah. producer on Battlestar, which and a frequent writer for both. Also, both shows share tropes and themes such as enemies that can disguise themselves as humans, flawed heroes that reluctantly adopt religious mantles and tactics which 
should freedom fighters terrorists use when living under occupation? You know, that's mm-hmm. actually yeah. that when you put it that way, my God, Battlestar just seems like him wanting to tell Deep Space Nine without the limits of Star Trek. Yeah, totally. Uh, because damn, he is he's he's hitting hitting all the themes there. Uh, both shows were format breaking for the time. Battlestar wasn't held back by the limitations of Star Trek universe. There's no Federation governors, no Quark po- point of view episodes. The characters are allowed to have interpersonal conflicts. Where do you two land on this comparison? Does grittier, more realistic space travel make for a better show? Can a show that was held back creatively be better? Why do you look back on Deep Space Nine more favorably than Battlestar Galactica? Well, I mean, again, we were younger. <laughs> and, and also, like, I think deep space nine was better from the jump than star trek the next generation was but there are oh, yeah, a lot certainly. of the first few episodes before the dominion war starts that are rough i mean it has one of my most hated ollie, ollie oxen free or move along home yeah move along home just a piece of shit yeah yeah it's pretty bad yeah, unqualified and, and yeah i feel like there's some because we i was having this debate with people about star wars because they're still like it's you know I, I like to try to be understood. There's some people that want to change minds and like, I you just, it, it, that's a tall, that's a, that's every once in a while, someone will offer a different way to look at something that changes a person's mind on how they see something. But more often it's, it's like, well, even if I see your point still, I don't like it. Mm-hmm. D space nine is, and, and I use the analogy of like transformers to cartoon. I love that as an eight year old. Yeah. It was amazing big robots that transformed into supercars and super planes and they fought and it was cool and a little boy was like fighting alongside the heroes that's 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 awesome <laughs> go back and watch that I, I recently watched as a mid-30s and it's shit yeah star tr- star or the transformers cartoon is shit mm-hmm. Con- compare and contrast to star wars which i loved as a kid and i watched a new hope and I'm like that's not a shitty movie no that's 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 a gr- that's a great piece of american filmmaking yeah um I think Deep Space Nine is closer to the Transformers and Battlestar, if you can overlook its flaws, is much closer to Star Wars. Okay. Uh, yeah, I, I would agree that I think I think Battlestar is a better made show. I don't quite have the same nostalgia for it because I didn't see it when I was a teenager. Yeah. Um, and if I had, if it had been reversed, I would absolutely love Battlestar far more than Deep Space Nine. Yeah. But I have such a, a built-in nostalgia for that show, and it was a truly great show for its time. Like you mm-hmm. said, uh, format busting. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know that a Star Trek show could be about a war mm-hmm. between the Dominion and and like I. I mean, we yeah, also have... with the Klingons, but like I, I always felt like Star Trek was this exploration thing yeah. um, primarily, and it became more about like the battle of the Federation trying to you know, remain against this power that was almost unstoppable. Well, also, we we revisited Babylon 5 a year ago, two years ago, and mm-hmm. I also, like, I feel like that's a forgotten science fiction franchise because, yes, yeah. the special effects are terrible. Yes. But I, I, I sometimes wonder, like, if the effects... But not as bad as I thought they were. I wonder if it had, like, the effects of uh, even Deep Space Nine, mm-hmm. if if it wouldn't be... Not, if it wouldn't be better than, than all these shows we're talking about, but... Was that a sci-fi show? No, that was a, a syndicated, like, on Paramount, a par- par- like, VPN, or VP... What was that, the, the hmm. Paramount Network? Viacom, Par VPN, was it? UPN? UPN, thank you. Um, huh, wow, okay. But uh, 
Am I thinking of Farscape? Is that what I'm thinking of? You might be. Okay. You might be. (laughs) Or the Kevin Sorbo one. (laughs) Sure. Which one was that? Andromeda. Andromeda, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Speaking of piece of shit. uh, (laughs) I... So my way is, like, I feel like these are like Pokemon. Um, Deep Space Nine is the the level one Pokemon. It evolved to Battlestar, which Mm -hmm. has then achieved its final form in The Expanse. Okay. That's that's cool. I like that. Because, like, I feel like if you, you could see that, like... I, I think it's it's easy to see in his feedback that Battlestar is kind of Ronald Moore's perfection and distillation of the things that worked in Deep Space Nine, and I think Expanse is even taking the ball further because yeah. uh, I forget who the, the the chief diplomat of the UN is. Um, she's got like a really elaborate name, but she is a much better version of what they're trying to get at with President Rosalind. I man, her accent throws me every time. But, you know, but, but her yes. characterization. Like it, it, absolutely, whenever she absolutely takes a strong stand right. against yes. someone, like it's it's it, it's it, the universe seems like it's full of smart people that have really good points, and yeah. they enter and and they're they have they're not cocksure and full of themselves, and the ones that are are appropriately seen as foolish and dangerous. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that's 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 how I that's that's why the the view the the whole thing. Anyway. Jesus, even if you didn't like my I, – I think I, I think I, I kept it to much less than 25% of the cast was me bitching about Battlestar. Oh, yeah. Uh, and it's a two-hour podcast, so you all got your money's worth. You sure did. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed it. And I watched like seven hours of Battlestar for this, so yeah, yeah, I, I put a lot of effort Right, and I, I watched more than I normally would because I was self-conscious. You know, I like, wish I, that I, I don't had like the disappointing. I don't like disappointing people right. that commission podcasts, so – um, that just feels bad for everybody. Yeah. And I wish, like, after watching these eight episodes or whatever I watched, I wish I could go back and watch the whole thing before we did this podcast. Just no time to do it. Sure. Or I wish I had. I, yeah, like, Because I, I really, like, I felt like I was back in 2006, you know, yeah. watching season three of this thing. And it does going, seem like yes. some of the meteor stuff with the religion and politics would have been interesting. Even flawed as it was would have oh, had a, weekly a lot show more discussion. Oh, this thing yeah. would have been so much fun. And it would have been cool if I had more background to, to be able to go back and, like, rewatch the finale and give a better answer of how I feel about that. And But right. I just didn't. And I probably... I'm not going to. Um, uh, real quick, one other thing before we get out of here that as a podcaster, I would be remiss not to mention uh, that I thoroughly enjoyed at the time when I was watching Battlestar Galactica is Ron Moore's podcast about it. Uh, he actually did like a commentary style podcast for a lot of the episodes. I don't think it was every episode of Battlestar Galactica, but a lot of them. When you say commentary, you mean he just talked so, about the making of or was he talking about fan theories or... Because uh, I no, could see he, that going a lot of different ways. I, it was less like fan theories. It was more about like production and themes. Like he would get into like what were we thinking when we wrote this part of it? You know, mm. what were we trying to say with this? Um, it's it's actually really really interesting. And he would also do like, oh, here's where I don't know, uh, Adama broke his legs, both of them, and we had to stop filming for five weeks. That didn't happen. But were they released like? the week of the episode come out or were yeah. like the whole season drop and then a retrospective no it was okay. like it was kind of like we do so there's no spoilers podcast. go looking forward or looking back or no. anything like that interesting no but it was really really cool and it had this great atmosphere too where it was like him in his home office just sitting there with a glass of whiskey and you could hear like the ice rattling around <laughs> was there anyone else with every... him ever did he like have like uh, other... i think he had some yeah some other production guests from time to time but it was such a cool thing to be able to get like almost real time uh, 
you know, this real time commentary from somebody who was. It, it kind of puts in perspective involved. the other commissioner's question about what if this show were released in the internet savvy era. <laughs> like, uh-huh. Ron Moore was doing a podcast. I probably there was a community consuming it. So uh-huh. uh, I, I was part of it. Yeah. Yeah. So there you go. Uh, but yeah, I, I really think that's worth listening to. So that's the commission podcast for Battlestar. Um, we, we're going to continue to try to catch up on the queue as best as we can. we got a little bit of a lull in the content. Um, I'm not sure what's coming out next because I, we got a commissioner who's kind of wavering about, uh, what, what they, what, what project they want us to work on. So we might have to sh- shuffle some things around, but, uh, uh, yeah, there'll be, there'll be more stuff coming out and, the schedule looks looks pretty fun and pretty cool from what I can tell. So we'll be back with another one real soon. Yeah. And until then, I'm Aaron. And I'm Jim. See ya.